uh, Mr. Rubankin, welcome to Big Conversations by Ordinary People Podcast. Councillor. Is it councillor or speaker? What is your title? Uh, of course, uh, the, what takes precedence is the bigger title. I see. So, <laughs> risk, risk uh, a declaration of non-grad, personal non-grad. In the current, if you call me cancer, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for for accepting this. Uh, we don't obviously take this for granted, and usually when we get uh, people to make time out of their day to come and have these conversations with us, we want to make sure that they understand that we really, really appreciate this. You know, this is not this is something we we build our concept around, but mm-hmm. also entirely depends on people's willingness mm. to come and share their thoughts with us. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, thank you very much once again uh, for having me. Yes, yes. I think that you guys are, are doing incredible work. Um, we are trying. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I want us to actually just continue mm. from part of the conversation we're having around mm. uh, creating these avenues for mm. people to speak, mm. you know, for people to speak. I think, and, and the reason, part of the reason that we decided to do this to invest in like cheap ways of uh, creating media mm. uh, sort of podcasting doing it cheaply but doing it with the quality and mm. also uh, investing a lot in more long form conversations you know mm. so right now mm. when you look at where the big companies are investing mm. they are investing mostly in gimmicks yeah. or short form conversations so if you yeah. go to tiktok it's yeah. uh, 30 seconds of someone doing or, or, or like a catchphrase it could be like yeah. a clip out of a conversation yeah. that is maybe out of context so that's funny yeah. and that is what a lot of people are sort of paying attention to because that's where the media is pushing them that's right yeah but what we try to do and we know it's so, some sort of risky approach to like doing business mm-hmm. it would have been much cheaper mm-hmm. and also probably more lucrative for us to do the cheap content, mm-hmm. the short content, the gimmick content. But we thought, you know, it's worth investing into kind of quality content that will transcend time. So 300 years from now when we are all dead, mm-hmm. when people, you know, right now when, say, you get books about Shakespeare mm-hmm. and you read and be like, who was this guy? You know, you have like his content of work to sort of reflect what kind of person he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for us in the future, say, you know, uh, a thousand years, if you know, if humanity survives global warming, yeah. right? A thousand years from now, people will have even videos, right? Mm-hmm. So they see Ruba and Kenny, right? Yeah. They they see you on um, on TV, yeah. and they know, okay, this is a human like me. Mm-hmm. This is what they thought, you know. And yes. some of the things, obviously, you say could be wrong, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, ah, this is what people at that point thought things were, you know, perhaps. Some physicists are going to figure out that the Earth is actually flat in the future, exactly. and you know we'll be like, ah, these guys in 2020 they thought the Earth was what, that's yeah. spherical. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, you know. Uh, first of all, thank you once again. Uh, I want to you know take this conversation a little bit backward. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, capture the uh, evolution of media. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there was yeah, a time yeah. when media was you know, a state monopoly. So the state controlled what the people had to say. So there's limited freedom of expression mm-hmm. in that sense. So with more liberalization, we saw that, uh, you know, private players were allowed to come in the media industry. But then that was still hugely controlled. But with the emergence of the internet, especially toward the you know, end, end of 1990s, then we, we see a new power, a new force being given to, to the public, to the ordinary citizens. And 
this form of, of media is so powerful because what we've seen is that that kind of control, that kind of monopoly, that kind of censorship by the state and other you know corporate players has kind of been eroded. Now yeah. the citizens have power to really get their voices out there. And young people like you, you know, getting, you know, your stories and your voices, your passion, yeah, yeah to, to reach out to great audiences. And, you know, what, what, what you're doing and what you already said is actually the important aspect of archiving. Yeah, you know that uh, as, a, as a other society, the African yeah. society, we had uh, we have a, a weakness when it comes to okay. record keeping yeah, and exactly. archiving. Yeah. So this is really good. Uh, it's a it's a really a very nice time to be alive. Yeah, yeah, no, true. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And what uh, so what we pitch the this podcast to when we are talking to other people is you know mm-hmm. uh, one of the things we try to do is also tell stories the African way. You say something about telling stories, mm-hmm. and uh, the thing we, we emphasize is. Before, say, the Arabs or whoever mm-hmm. brought writing and whoever brought literacy to Africa, before mm-hmm. they come, mm-hmm. I think they were the missionaries or the Arabs, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Before they come, Both of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so the way we used to like persist, and you said we were poor, like record keeping and archiving, yes. but before, yes. the way we used to persist sort mm-hmm. of knowledge from one generation to another mm-hmm. was through stories. So, you know, your grandmother sits down with you mm-hmm. and she tells you about, you know, a time mm-hmm. uh, she was doing something, she was going on the road and maybe a snake beat her. When she's trying to tell you, hey, don't move at night, snakes yes, may bite, yes, you know. Yes. And this is just how we move knowledge from yes. one African generation to the next. Yeah, but you know, from the African perspective, that wisdom is not recorded. Yeah. yeah so it gets lost or eroded with every passing generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why in our accumulation of the Tower of Knowledge, we are far behind the Western world which learned very early at the onset the purpose and the importance of recording and archiving. So you find that it is easier for uh, a child growing up in the Western culture to easily get this knowledge passed on accurately than it is here in the African context. And it's even surprising when you go at Macquarie University, you'll be shocked that you won't find any center of writing teaching kids how to write so well. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, 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 we largely an oral society. We're good at, true, at talking. True, 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 true. But when you ask yeah, yeah. colleagues, okay, put it in writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's people true. will sweat plasma. Yeah, that's true. That's true, though. That's, yeah. I think uh, I'll be one of the people who would sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Before you actually came on, there was a podcast mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, sort of, that was being hosted here about uh, dyslexia. Mm-hmm. So this is in uh, in Western society is considered, I don't know if mental disorder is the right word. It's mm-hmm. sort of considered a disability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, if you're not comfortable reading, basically, it's yes. sort of uh, if you're if you're not comfortable with symbology, mm-hmm. uh, like if you look at things on, you can listen well and comprehend things if I tell them to you. Yes. But if I gave you a, a paper to read things through, mm-hmm. it may take a little bit longer for you to comprehend, yes. you know, what's written. Yes. Uh, Right now in the West, this mm-hmm. is considered mm-hmm. something that's treatable or something that requires special attention. Yeah. Exactly. So there, there are schools, and I know one of uh, there's a podcast I used to listen to by a guy called Eric Einstein. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Weinstein, I think the guy's name is Weinstein. And this guy has he got his last uh, postdoc or PhD at 26 years, many postdocs, mm-hmm. but he claims he had disabilities learning, right? Yes. And you know, sort of part of 
the conversations he has on his podcast is you know how to restructure the whole education system mm-hmm. around identifying and supporting students mm-hmm. who are not comfortable with symbols you know who, exactly. who just don't who, who don't who are not capable of opening a book seeing letters and converting them into words and sentences and sort of comprehending them the same way they would have done if it was being spoken out to them mm-hmm. yeah and uh, so the difference between like where the west is and where Africa is, this is writing and symbology is not an African thing, right? Yeah. So when they, when Westerners come and tell us, say, you know what, we, we know a good way to persist knowledge over mm-hmm. time, you know, mm-hmm. by writing, mm-hmm. it's now sort of like, it, it's a mental tax on Africans because yeah. this yeah. is not natural to us. Yes. And the few Westerners who can, who are in our position, who don't find writing and reading comfortable, yeah. they're being placed in sort of a, a situation where they need special help, right? Yeah. But in Africa now, it's sort of the condemnation. If you can't write, yes. Uh, besides calling you illiterate, if yeah. you if you if you had a chance to be forced to go to school, yeah. then they'll call you stupid because yes. you know you, you're just. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's uh, it's it's so serious, and of course that shows uh, goes a long way to show the deficiency of our education system. Number one, that it is uh, a one size fits all kind of uh, education system pays little attention to some of the deficiencies like you've described. But also, you know, when you pause to think, or if you take your time to look at, uh, uh, for example, writing pieces by our professors, with due respect to our yeah, professors. I agree really. with you fully, yeah. and, and, and even compare it with uh, uh, a write-up. Yeah. by, say, a, a mere graduate from, from Harvard, you, you, you see a clear distinction yeah. of what culture can do and, 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 and what no, the lack of that culture yeah, yeah, can lead another society to. Because, honestly, Africans are brilliant. There is no experiment that has ever shown that the African race is uh, intellectually uh, weaker inferior, compared, yeah, yeah. inferior compared to yeah. the white race. There is no experience, experiment. Yeah. In fact, on the contrary, African kids who have been given opportunity uh, to study at the same, you know, high quality schools and uh, institutions in the West, on average, African kids have performed way much better. Yeah. And there's a, a story of kids, South Sudanese, who fled during the, the, the civil mm-hmm. strife. Yeah. And they went to specifically, I think it was Coventry in London, yeah, in England. And so they were integrated in these schools. And all these kids from South Sudan were on top of the pile. So that is show you that uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a matter of culture that institutionally and in our association uh reading and and writing is uh, a luxury which is of course which is not yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Uh, yeah. so it, it's something that really i, I think we yeah. we need to do better at yeah no i agree i agree i so okay so there are two actually lines of conversations here right mm-hmm. so one line of conversation is mm-hmm. maybe it's not africans that mm-hmm. need to adopt the mm-hmm. western way of communicating maybe we don't have to actually learn how to read and write mm-hmm. maybe we have to find alternative forms mm-hmm. of doing the work right so you mentioned for example if you compare say mock mm-hmm. professors yeah. who can't write as well as uh 
Harvard graduates, right? Mm-hmm. The argument here could be that, uh, you know, say 16 to 20 years you spend in school. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, say, the MOOC professor is, say, 50 years old, right? Mm-hmm. If they have spent, uh, say, 20 years in school, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you, when you're, even when you're doing school, you're not mm. spending an entire year in school. You're spending, say, uh, maybe sixty percent of the year in school, yep. right? Yeah. You can't compare that to mm-hmm. the Harvard kid mm-hmm. who, even at home, mm-hmm. you know, say for example, the language, right, English. Mm-hmm. A professor can come; mm-hmm. he speaks English at, mm-hmm. at school in class, right? So mm-hmm. you go to school from uh, from ten to five, you're in class, mm-hmm. uh, and then break time and lunch time. Say mm-hmm. say from ten to five, you mm-hmm. speak English. Mm-hmm. After five, mm-hmm. you speak Unyankwe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then the next day, then the weekend, you speak Unyankwe all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. This person it doesn't get the same comfort mm-hmm. in English, mm-hmm. yeah, expressing himself saying the language, mm-hmm. right, in the official language, as a Harvard a Harvard uh, graduate mm-hmm. who has spent say graduate maybe twenty three years old, twenty four years old, who has mm-hmm. spent twenty four years old of their life. Mm-hmm. speaking and listening to the same language. So that, that's sort of that's one line of conversation. Yeah, of course, uh, there is a empirical evidence which shows mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, learning and teaching in the secondary language uh, creates a sort of a barrier. Mm-hmm. The kids comprehend uh, much better if they are being taught in their mother tongue language. Yeah. But that's besides the problem. I think that, you know, what we are describing as deficiencies in our education system, our failures to write so well. Because, you know, what is unique about writing is that it reflects the thinking process. Okay. Yeah, you, you can't write well if you can't think with, with without clarity. So you can only write with clarity if you can think with clarity because writing and, yeah, and well, thinking are... Uh, uh, so inextricably that's, uh, tied together. That, that's also so I don't disagree entirely. Yeah. But that is also one of those adages. Something that yeah. sounds right, but you know, if you if you throw some light at it, yeah. I know people who can give good speeches yeah. if you write it for them. Yeah. Right. So if you uh, uh, if you write a speech for someone, mm-hmm. right, and come and tell him what the speech is about, mm-hmm. they will go and perform it way way better. Yeah. than you, the person who wrote it, would have performed it, right? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a different skill, though. Yeah, so, so, exactly, speaking. so, so yeah, but my question yeah. is, yeah. isn't this him mm-hmm. expressing thought mm-hmm. in a different form other than writing? That's not his original thought. Yeah. That, that's I mean, that's borrowed thought. I'm, 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 okay. Okay. I'm talking about yeah, yeah. original thinking okay. and expressing these original ideas okay. in a form of, uh, of a writing so that other people can oh, understand them. Sorry, I have to interrupt you. Just yes, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. What about a person mm-hmm. who speaks impromptu? You know, there are people who don't need recorded speeches yeah. who can uh, say uh, he's trying to rally people to do something, mm-hmm. just comes out of the blue and moves mm-hmm. them like uh, pastors and, and, you know, the preachers, right? Mm-hmm. They don't write a lot, mm-hmm. but when the guy comes to do his sermon, yeah. he will trigger all kinds of what, yeah. you know, he'll make sure he moves people, right? Yeah. But that, that has to be a form of thinking. Yes, if they and are that swimming. that has to be a form of Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. But that's on a condition that they're swimming in the usual waters. I see. If, it, if you ask them to, you know, break new areas, I see, I arrive see. at new knowledge, mm-hmm. you, you'll be shocked. I see, I see. These pastors are saying the same stuff now and again. Yeah, true, true, true. So, yes, uh, we have good orators, but in terms of original thinking, really. And I've already said, it's not 
I'm not arguing that we are incapable of, uh, you know, being innovative and original thinking. What I'm saying is that our culture is such that it inhibits creativity mm-hmm. and innovativeness. Yeah. 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 No, I, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, I, I fully agree with the with a bit of uh, the the culture thing. You know, inhibiting innovation and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, although still, I, I think many people argue that that is not very specific to Africans, mm-hmm. institutions generally mm-hmm. uh, are structured in a way that in order for them to be resilient, mm-hmm. they have to be a little bit evasive towards uh, innovative and unpredictability mm-hmm. things, right? And uh, mm-hmm. when you look at, say, mo- most of what they call, say, African culture mm-hmm. has been the informal African institution, right? So mm-hmm. in, in uh, say, in the West, right, mm-hmm. you belong to a family, uh, you, you, but you spend a lot of time subscribing to formally uh, declared institutions, right? Mm-hmm. So you belong to a family, but you spend some time at school. You buy into, say, an ideology, say, socialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go join a political party. Mm-hmm. Uh, you read a lot of indoctrination uh, content and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or you, you, you become a feminist or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. In Africa, mm-hmm. your family is the most important institution, usually for most Africans, yeah? Mm-hmm. You grow, you go to school, those are all by the ways. Mm-hmm. What you really want, say if you're a girl, mm-hmm. is to find the right guy who will pay the cows that your uncles will ask for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what you want if you're a boy is to probably give your father grandchildren. Oh, I don't know what boys really want. But you mm-hmm. know, like most of the African life, mm-hmm. the institution around it mm-hmm. is... Is not written, so we can't. You can't uh, because now, for example, diary, right? right? Mm-hmm. And this may be jumping off a little bit the point, but yeah. say for example, diary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you outpay dowry for mm-hmm. for a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Even if I don't agree with this, mm-hmm. there is no way it is sort of formally written mm-hmm. where I can go and judge and say, you know what? Let us amend mm-hmm. this idea on dowry. Mm-hmm. It is an institution that's established but has no record whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's not formalized. So when I say, oh, you know what, I won't pay dowry. Mm-hmm. Seven, he said he didn't pay dowry for Janet. When you, know, when you don't pay dowry, then you're one of those, either you're rowdy or you're too westernized or you're brainwashed or whatever, right? Yeah. But yet what happens in the West is if you want to amend sort of the manifesto of socialism, mm-hmm. it is written somewhere. You can have a clear argument with someone else in a debate and say, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? I think Marx was just ignorant about this. That's why he mentioned this, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can reform that institution. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, yeah, again, uh, th- that's my opinion, right? I mm-hmm. don't think per se the culture mm-hmm. in Africa... Okay, I mean, I, I agree a little bit, but not with, like the culture in Africa inhibits mm-hmm. uh, innovation but not to an extent that is different from the rest of the world. Yeah, but uh, you know that uh, culture is an expression of the extent of economic progress. Hmm. Let's explain that. Yeah, and uh, what, what, we are dis- do, what, what we are describing mainly are expressions okay. of our social and economic conditions. Yeah, whereas we are castrate, uh, castigating <coughs> the Macquarie University professors for not writing properly, you find that the budget that uh, this professor in his training mm-hmm. to become a professor mm-hmm. that he has to use available to him is uh, maybe not even one hundredth of the Harvard budget of the Harvard mm-hmm. educated professor. Yeah, true, true, true. So, whereas you go to the West and uh, most of the schools 
have writing centers that are dedicated to teaching kids how to write so well. At Makere University, you won't find a single writing center. Maybe it will just be a course unit. I remember not, though not when I was dedicated. in Nasare school. That's, that's no... Yes, that's, that, that's introductory writing. Okay. Here I'm talking yeah, about sure, sure. professional Technical writing, writing, basically. Creative yeah. writing. Okay. For example, okay. for uh, our people who are in the movie industry, yeah, yeah. You, you wonder why uh, creative and interesting scripts aren't coming up. Mm. Or why we are not having movies or the quality of, of Hollywood. Even if you invested billions of money, you may not improve the quality by, say, 30%. Why? Because there are other institutional uh, factors that must be put right mm-hmm. for you to produce that kind of, of quality. Usually when you produce a movie, it is a confluence and um, an output of so many people involved. True, 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 from true, true, the director, true, 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 the script writer, the videographers, the camera. So many people are involved. And all these people involved are bringing certain specific uh, skill sets. So even if you invested the money here, you lack people with the requisite skills to do that. Mm-hmm. Why aren't these people found in the Ugandan economy? Because the economy is still struggling with meeting the basic needs. So people are not focusing on improving yeah, their yeah, quality, yeah, their yeah. productivity, their skills. Yeah. They are still struggling doing the low level, hmm? the bottom of the, pir- of the pyramid yeah. kind of I jobs, see, see. low productivity yeah. jobs. And this is where most of our young people are. So when most of the people in the in the economy at that level, then you, you, you lack you lack skills. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then and then uh, you you have limited social mobility. That's why going back to the example you gave, a kid in the West will, you know, be quickly taken through ideological institutions, mm-hmm. political party. Here a kid study who has studied in China Mukaka or Kaba where I've come from, study with one Nyankore and uh, up to say secondary, there is no diversity there. Even when they are lucky and they come to Makai University, they will join um, the clicks of Banyakole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. University, I'll call it students' associations. Mm-hmm. So they never get to learn. So, so the mobility is also limited. When they finish university, they, they, are, they are stuck in one or job, one or two jobs. There is no mobility across yeah, yeah. Uh, within, within industries because you have limited industries. In the West, when you stay on more than three, on a, on a job for more than three years, you have overstayed. Mm-hmm. But here people fight to die on a job for 30, yeah, yeah, 40 yeah. years. Yeah, I see, I see. yeah, so that's why I say that, uh, that the social expressions that we are witnessing in our society, culture. yeah, our, cul- our culture, mm. stagnant or progressive, are determined by our economic our, progress. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I, first of all, I, I think that you may not entirely be right, yeah. uh, rather wrong, but yeah. you're not entirely right on this, right? Yeah. So the first thing is, I again, mm. there is a fact of diversity, right? Yeah. Uh, the environment that say. Point zero, right? Mm-hmm. 
there is one white one guy in Netherlands there is one guy in Kenya there is one guy in Japan mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh well set of people okay a guy and a woman so they have to reproduce right mm-hmm. uh so there is two people in in these places right mm-hmm. uh, these are like the west africa the east right mm-hmm. two people each mm-hmm. and then they start raising their children mm-hmm. depending on the environment that they are in right mm-hmm. the dutch mm-hmm. is going to learn how to swim mm-hmm. because it's around water mm-hmm. yeah the african mm-hmm. well i don't know the african is going to produce more children because he has everything right mm-hmm. again naturally africa is blessed mm-hmm. the japanese guy is going to construct because the nature of the environment mm-hmm. you know the earthquakes and all that is going to learn sort of the tricks around fighting sort of the environment that he has in order to survive right that is just the role of nature mm-hmm. and this is my opinion right mm-hmm. uh, so when you see our economic status mm-hmm. personally i think mm-hmm. it is a result of the society right mm-hmm. how much are we getting for free mm-hmm. versus how much do we have to actually build for ourselves right mm-hmm. if you look at uh, netherlands a very good example because Uh, Netherlands is the country that was built over water they had to displace a lot of water to sort of form a, a big chunk of the country right mm-hmm. if you look at the kind of innovativeness that mm-hmm. those dutch had to do to serve, to exist to not become extinct mm-hmm. you don't expect them if they if they imported that the skill level they needed to survive mm-hmm. to a place like Uganda where such a skill level can help you thrive mm-hmm. you don't expect them to You don't expect the Ugandan who has grown in Uganda who can just run to the next mango tree and get lunch right because you know there is good weather there is the soils are fertile the wild itself can feed you you know maybe a snake will bite you but the wild can feed you as well right mm-hmm. you don't expect them over time you know the generations over time mm-hmm. to be in a similar situation because mm-hmm. they don't have similar experiences right mm-hmm. and personally i think that's what informs a significant chunk of culture mm-hmm. right uh, so historically what makes Ugandans or people around Buganda you know the former Bachwezi mm-hmm. a little bit uh, pacifist mm-hmm. right they, they don't they're not very aggressive people mm-hmm. is because again there's abundance right mm-hmm. so you come to the most uh, given land on earth there is no point in fighting your neighbor if you have a quarrel with no neighbor you can just walk away for sure you'll get what to eat mm-hmm. elsewhere right mm-hmm. on the other hand if you've been in the west right and uh, again if you look at europe for example europe is the cause of the world's problems if you look at europe and how they had to you know partition and conquer and conquer each other in order f- for them to fit into that small chunk of land that is europe right mm-hmm. if you look at a european mentality you know columbus mm-hmm. getting on a ship and going to look for india and then landing in the us and finding these native americans who are also in abundance you know the africans are mm-hmm. but his mentality is you know in order to survive you have to conquer others mm-hmm. that is like sort of what differentiates those two cultures right it's not that in my it's not the economy mm-hmm. that is a result but it is what you've done to survive mm-hmm. and how do you transition out of those skills when you're in a place where you can thrive when survival is not an issue right mm-hmm. uh, but now when you get to the question of today right mm-hmm. when you look at today what you are saying um, the lecturer it is true the lecturer doesn't have the resources to learn from harvard right mm-hmm. but then the question would be is it reasonable to invest in the lecturer so they can try to compete with harvard mm-hmm. or is it at this point a, a more reasonable for the ugandan 
to think about where they are good at, where they can excel, right? Mm-hmm. Let me give an example of Ethiopia, right? Mm-hmm. Ethiopia would invest in marathons, mm-hmm. yeah? Because they know, naturally, they have that edge, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's actually even, uh, uh, that's not even the best example. Nigeria, let's look at Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. Nigeria could have invested a significant amount of money in employment, mm-hmm. right? They decided to get money and invest in their film and, and music, right? Mm-hmm. Because they knew on the continent, mm. they have an edge there, right? Mm. Uh, and uh, whatever you say about their culture or their quality. Yeah, but uh, I hope uh, in the example of Nigeria, I hope you know where the money that they invested in the film industry come, came from. You know, Nigeria is the biggest economy on the African continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, that's true. And, and this is because they had uh, vast reservoirs of oil and then the money they could invest in. True, true, true. Okay, yeah, yeah. So so in context, what I'm actually trying to make, the context mm-hmm. I'm giving here is let's say Jamaica, right? Mm-hmm. Jamaica doesn't have the oil that Nigeria has, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say Jamaica. Jamaica as well invests in music because mm-hmm. everyone in Jamaica who can talk mm-hmm. thinks they can what? They can sing, right? Mm-hmm. So if a society is able to self-reflect and sort of make a, a genuine audit and say Ugandans, I don't know what Ugandans are good, for, are good at by the way. So, so that, I was trying to think of like right, writing. Everything. Yeah, maybe we are good at everything <laughs> and nothing, right? But uh, if you know that if as an Ethiopian, mm-hmm. right, we are blessed because of the terrain we are in, mm-hmm. we are able to run long distances, right? Mm-hmm. Then what you do is invest a significant amount of resources to show the world that we can consistently be the best at this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Brazil is also a good example. Brazil is a big economy, fine. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, Brazil is, is sort of like uh, an Africa away from Africa. The, the sort of the economic situation is the, there's a high level of inequality, but the poor people are really poor as well, you know. Yeah, maybe I should ask you, when you give the example of Columbus uh, going on voyages to mm. discover new, you know, uh, territories for yeah, yeah. conquering, what, what is the motivating factor? More. So why, why does a Columbus yeah, yeah, true, true, true. goes? Why does a Columbus go on a voyage to expand the territory and uh, of his country, and then a Chinto doesn't go on a yeah. voyage? Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. That, that's a good question. Yeah. My opinion. Again, I'm not an expert in any of this stuff, right? Yeah. But my opinion is the scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. So right now. Uh, what is equivalent to Columbus' exploration is probably what Elon Musk is doing, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to go to to, to the vast, uh, you know, go to Mars, go to, to space and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his big pitch, the way he manages to raise all that amount of money mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, investing again in stories like global warming and, you know, existentialism, right? Creating the crisis. And, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. Okay, maybe it's true, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's helping him raise the kind of money he needs to explore the space, right? Mm-hmm. So Columbus, on this, on, on the other hand, mm-hmm. grows up in a, in a time where your part of Europe can be conquered. And, and the reason that, again, Europe is, co- is uh, conquerable in my opinion, it starts to be weather, right? Mm-hmm. So when, uh, what are they called? Those are former Germans, right? Mm-hmm. When it becomes too cold in one part of German, mm-hmm. people have to migrate to the place that has summer, right? Mm-hmm. Or to the place where the winter hasn't become too tough, yeah? Mm-hmm. But then that place has people, 
right because a significant chunk of the of the say for example in russia right a significant chunk of the of russia is not habitable at that point yeah. because it's too cold right so people have to move but then uh, they have to displace other people mm-hmm. or they have to cooperate with them right mm-hmm. but usually again no one likes visitors especially in moments of scarcity when people hear that winter is coming from the east mm-hmm. people are thinking oh maybe what Uh, if we let these guys cohabit what if winter comes here mm-hmm. where will we be right and mm-hmm. so they, it becomes either we can't conquer we, we fight them off so they can conquer us or we share and usually the, the result is we conquer them off and so when you grow up with this mentality mm-hmm. and then you come up with an equilibrium yeah so the columbus question you asked when you come up with an equilibrium now we know that this territory is marked right this is say england or this is france or whatever Mm-hmm. and you know uh, germans aren't allowed to come here and and whatever when columbus or spain you know columbus was was he spanish or english uh, columbus mm-hmm. i think he's uh, from north america no no i think he went to north america <coughs> from europe so oh yeah yeah well yeah okay so whatever european right when you come from that area where it's where there is scarcity where there is fighting to survive mm-hmm. and you say you know what uh, what elon musk is doing instead of us trying to uh preserve the you know try to force people to to drive cars that use electricity or whatever let us see if there is a habitable place out there right yeah so actually what you describe uh vindicates my theory okay okay unless confirms your argument that uh when you have too much resources yeah because yeah. that's where you started from yeah 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 that you're least likely to be innovative that you're Just like it push boundaries and extend the frontiers. On the contrary, I think that when you have resources, then you you have more freedom to innovate, to be more creative, and think of conquering territories. I think that the expedition of uh, Columbus is uh, a byproduct of the desire. Uh, of his country to, to expand and, and 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 get new resources so it's a result of knowledge so the society the society has reached a certain level of understanding where they can no longer be satisfied with what they have maybe the question and these are big big conversations yeah, really yeah, yeah. big big conversations which have so many theories yeah, yeah, with no agree, really agree, definite agree uh, yeah. uh, provable answer the question we need to understand is why were the explorations or expeditions possible in europe and not possible here why did our african ancestors remain traditional whereas the europeans were fast tracking uh you know the drive towards civilization so i, th- I think that that's uh, yeah so i think that's what i was that's what i was saying and 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 i don't know i i think we are disagreeing on this though right yeah. and this is why i think we are disagreeing mm-hmm. my argument is mm-hmm. abundance mm-hmm. doesn't foster innovation it's necessity on the other hand yeah, yeah. that fosters what innovation mm-hmm. and uh the problem with necessity mm-hmm. is when it's solved mm-hmm. the mentality stays as a residue right mm-hmm. if you know for sure that mm-hmm. in order for me to eat yeah. i have to kill a lion yeah. right in order to eat yeah? yeah what happens with that skill set of lion killing mm-hmm. when all the lions are dead right yeah. so in in my opinion is columbus mm-hmm. fine 
what you're saying is, you know, uh, what you, okay, what I, it's also arguable whether you know the Western way of doing things is superior, right? Mm-hmm. But Columbus has the Western way of doing things, mm-hmm. right? So he, he's able to build a ship, mm-hmm. right? He's able to to build a ship that can sail. He's able to mobilize people that can go with him on on voyage and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a skill set that he had, even if for him he had it at a time, say when it's no longer needed to survive. But this is a skill set that has historically helped his culture to exist, right? Because again, there was scarcity of resources, which is what wasn't in Africa. So again, in Africa, because the land is is big, the weather is good, people do not, there is no point in being aggressive, right? So this is a domestic dog versus wild dog, right? When you bring your domestic dog that knows that the master will come and give me food today and you put it in the forest, it's going to be clobbered by the wild dogs because the wild dogs know if the dog comes next to me when I'm eating, mm. this guy wants to steal my food, right? Yeah, but, but you see, I've had many proponents of that theory mm-hmm. that uh, Africa is uh, underdeveloped partly because it, it has abundance of, of yeah. resources. Nature. Yeah, but but okay. when, when you read backwards, you find that actually Africa has suffered more starvation more than any other any other continent. Uh, so in it and by itself really that argument is, is also not I, I, I don't know if I not, believe not, by not, that one. No. <laughs> I, I, I like to pass So well we, we have abundance of resources, but even these resources So I'm saying we had actually my, my question is not today. Yes. So today, today, mm-hmm. yeah, today with the technology that's there. Yeah. I think we have a deficiency of the most important resource, mm-hmm. which is human intellectuality and intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. I think we have the deficiency of that. But historically, mm-hmm. yeah, what we needed to survive, the basic stuff, you know, food, water, shelter, mm-hmm. yeah, it came easy mm-hmm. for people who stayed natively in Africa, right? Yeah. And people who had to fight for such, for such basics also amassed Mm-hmm. A set of residue skills, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the word residue, I think, is the best word to describe this. Mm-hmm. A set of skills that were unintended mm-hmm. that have helped them mm-hmm. conquer Africa when they reach to a place where we are, we are, we take what food for granted. Yep. But my question is, yes. from the start, and archaeological studies show that really life started here, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in Tanzania, East Africa. So if life started here and the first human being actually stayed on Africa, mm. the studies on civilization also shows that civilization started in Africa. Yeah. Specifically, I think that's the Egyptian civilization then spread to the Mesopotamian civilization. Yeah, I, I don't think so my question is, if, if we, we, we... No, no, this is, this is a fact. Yeah, the, the, okay. the first yeah. writing, the first yeah. writing started here in Egypt. Okay, the first calendar. Okay, again here in, in Africa. Okay. So where did it go wrong? How come that one race, yeah, uh, you know, moved so fast toward civilization and was able to, you know, overcome most of the ills? That you know infested the humanity, whereas the race where humanity began from 
stagnated and remained behind. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a fundamental question that you all must answer, and that's the, and, and that's the root cause of, of uh, you know of beginning to understanding these theories that we are putting across. So yeah, yes. things, now, for example, yeah. I want to take you to the industrial uh, industrial revolution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was largely powered by coal. Yes. yes. As the major source of power. Yes. So coal, I have learned that there are just a few deposits in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've not tried to explore to find whether we have coal or not, but it was a cheaper source of energy than hydro. Mm-hmm. Hydro is just a, a recent innovation. Yeah. So yeah, the industrial revolution is mainly powered by coal. So, when you juxtapose it and see what was taking place in Africa at the same time, you find that Africa was in the darkness. People were hunting. People were gathering food stuff. They were were not seriously, uh, they were not seriously into productive and sophistication and building institutions and making transportation easier, curing diseases and, and so forth. So, and that again, of course, questions the issue of, so the of, of question, resources. The question I would ask you yeah. is why aren't Africans extinct? Right? Mm. And the reason, mm. okay, so if, if you look at this from, let me, let me give, let me run for you a mental simulation, right? Mm. Man 01 mm. turns from a chimpanzee mm. to a man mm. in Tanzania, right? Mm. Uh, and then, you know, sleeps with a few chimpanzees, the, you know, next iteration of man mm. says, uh, in what is around Sedodoma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now you and the, the the man that man has a quarrel with his father, mm-hmm. right? So he goes away with a few of his cousins, and they move to Nairobi, mm-hmm. right? And they intermarry, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason they are moving again, they can move. That abundance is there, right? Yeah. Nairobi is inhabited. It has chimpanzees, and man was a superior, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he grows his village, blah 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 blah. A, a small chunk of that village, there is a quarrel between two uncles about who should be the leader of the village, so it splits into half, right? The one half goes to Kampala, right? And then, uh, again, the human conflict, they keep spreading, right? Yeah. So, the next man ends up in Europe, or the next man invents civilization in, in what? In, in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the question of, you know, how come, say, the West today is quote-unquote more better than Africa. First of all, is, is, is a two-point is a two-point question, right? Yeah. Is whether you believe mm-hmm. that the West is better than Africa, well, right? We must, so, we must we, we, define we, some. Yeah, aspect. exactly, yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, in case you do, in a scenario where you believe that, mm-hmm. right? Then the question is, you know, since we are natives, mm-hmm. right? We we are the history of humanity. Uh, if Egypt is considered African as well, then we are the history of civilization as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why does the West beat us, right? Mm-hmm. Now that is the question of what? If we start looking at recent history, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when my father was born, mm-hmm. the greatest empire on earth mm-hmm. was the British Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Today, Britain is just one small country that no one cares about, right? <laughs> How come it has been surpassed, right? Yeah. When my father was born, mm-hmm. China had the most poor people in the world, mm-hmm. right? Today, China is probably the biggest economy in the world with mm-hmm. a history, with a record of removing over 800 million people out of extreme poverty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the thing is, uh, sort of, if you, it depends, uh, my, my, my assumption is, 
mm. your time comes right egypt was once the biggest civilization rome was once the biggest civilization mm. mongolia was once the biggest civilization those things don't exist anymore yeah. right uh, and these are like different places of the earth right different places of the earth when uh, i don't know where the coal was invented but say if in europe you know the coal that triggers the industrial revolution is invented europe gets an advantage yeah. right if the silicon chip is invented in silicon valley the the the, the transistor you know mm-hmm. that invents the microchip is is what is invented in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. US gets its trigger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there's also negative catalysts. You know, if there is a war, Hitler starts a war in Europe. So we should wait for a trigger. Enough. Yeah, exactly. That, 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 okay, so there is that. So, so, so that's what. Okay, yeah. So that that actually in a nutshell is my thing. Yeah. Is that either we can wait for the trigger, mm-hmm. or we can start building incrementally. Mm-hmm. To prepare for the again, they say you know you get lucky if you prepare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I forget the actual word, but uh, only the prepared. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, on a trajectory, Africa is rising. Yeah. Uh, really, there are many matrices we can look at. Be it uh, the lifespan, mm-hmm. be it the literacy rates. Uh, really, when you look at so many measures that we use to measure progress, yeah. economic, social, and political, we we, we have moved, uh, you know, made significant strides, uh, you know, if you look back 20 years. Yeah, but the question is uh, uh, whether that progress will be sustained and catalyzed. Mm. Uh, what, what we can do, how do we make sure that the African starts producing knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I think that we contribute less than 1% yeah. of new knowledge in the world. Over. In, yeah. in the world. Yeah. And then you have the, the Jews, the Israelites, who are about uh, globally about 14 million, mm-hmm. but they have the most number of Nobel Prizes. Mm-hmm. And a Nobel Prize is really an award to... Uh, creation of new knowledge. Forget the Mandela's. With due respect to Desmond Tutu and Prime Minister yeah. of uh, Ethiopia, those are peace prizes. Yeah, say, yeah, oh, yeah. you were arrested 27 years. You came out and yeah, you were yeah, very true, nice. True, true, true. You were a peaceful man. So true, you, true, true. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you win the, you, the Nobel Peace yeah, Prize. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Nobel prizes in areas like entertainment. Like um, chemistry, physics, mathematics, economics. These are really areas, real rewards to highly, highly mm-hmm. intellectual yeah, works. True, 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 true. So, so you have the Jews, 13 million, and they have almost a half of all the Nobel Prizes. But then you have a vast, you know, one billion on the African continent. There is, there is none. Of course, relatively, the Jews do better than even other U- European countries and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and others. So uh, the, the question is, uh, how, w- what is our trajectory like? And yeah, so exactly. I think that's, I think a, that's this the right question. We need to take the conversation. Yeah, I think the, that's the right future, question. The future of work, the yeah. future of employment, true, how true. we make the uh, African child. Uh, I'm always... You know, puzzled by how I can make, I can help transform lives of young people in the ghettos of Kawempe. Mm-hmm. Because you have a chunk of them, 
uh, between the ages of 15 and 30 and they are not productive. Mm-hmm. They are not in work, they are not in education, they are not in employment, they are not in any form of training. They are there. These are Ugandans. Yeah. We have to grow up with them. They have to yeah. they have to live in this country. They are not productive. But that comes at a cost because that is a potential GDP lost. Because if you're a leader, you want most of your people productive. Mm-hmm. So we need to all of us in this room yeah. be concerned with how to I agree. No, no, how I, to I make point. <laughs> I don't agree. So two things that that I'll be skeptical about, right? Yeah. Anyone who tries to think that uh, Africa is trailing the West in a way, right? But so what that would mean is so you think no, 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 no. Let, let me make my point. Sorry, sorry, oh, okay. sorry. Right? Yeah. My 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 opinion is mm-hmm. we are so the Buddhists they yeah. say right mm-hmm. that everyone's uh, path to enlightenment yeah. is as unique as yeah. the person himself that walks the path, right? Powerful. Yeah, and uh, that is my sort of wise line that I throw to put people. But anyway, yeah, here's the thing. Right? <laughs> okay. The thing about Africans, right, yeah. is yeah. what if, yeah, mm-hmm. our trajectory mm-hmm. is not to catch up with Europe. You know what China has done, for example, yeah, yeah. is to catch up with, say, is quote unquote, most of Asia is to yeah. catch up with the West, right? Yeah. But at a very great cost of yeah. humanity, right? So today in, in China, yeah. there are camps, you know, the shit Hitler used to do, right? Mm-hmm. It's there today, today in 2021. Mm-hmm. After we've read all the books, after they've made all the bad films about Hitler, mm-hmm. there are camps that are specifically targeting a race, you know, over Igwas, I, I forget how they pronounce that word, yeah. in China, right? Mm-hmm. That is just unbelievable. It's baffling, right? But that's there. And mm-hmm. at the cost of that is China now mm-hmm. can throw around those numbers. GDP, AQB, Z2Z. You know those numbers that don't make sense mm-hmm. to say that they are close to US mm-hmm. over economically, whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, China has done good things. The whole thing of, of getting people out of what, making sure people can get basic needs. That is commendable, and right? Constructing roads for Africa. Yeah, uncle, yeah, of course. But that too. But what if, right, mm-hmm. Uganda, our trajectory is different. Right? So look at the future right now. Right mm-hmm. Today, we are poor. The Americans are rich. More people in Uganda die of malaria than people in the US. Right, mm-hmm. That's a fact. So if you're considering those as metrics, America is better than us. Right, mm-hmm. We are trailing it. But what if our aim is not to out-compete America in curing malaria, mm-hmm. but to go a different way? Yeah. Right now, the biggest sort of technology that's on the verge mm-hmm. is AI. Right, mm-hmm. And what... AI is apparently going to do. Also, I may take it so. Yeah. I'm going to just pretend that I don't know what it's going to do. What mm-hmm. they say it's going to do mm-hmm. is this place what we've, what most of the West has taken as the edge mm-hmm. in intellectual work, right? Mm-hmm. So stuff like being lawyers, stuff like uh, technical writing, most of the stuff you've been saying, robots are going to be able to do that very well because they'll be able to, they'll have all the word, all the knowledge of the world. They'll be able to Google stuff and actually review papers. You know, if you write, say, an original paper about how malaria can be cured by eating leaves. A robot can be able, will be able eventually to read your paper, look at all the research that exists in the world that has ever existed in the world, mm. and review it and say, you got it wrong here, you got it wrong here, you got it wrong here, right? Yeah. That point is going to come, right? Yeah. What if our trajectory is not to try and outcompete the Americans or the robots in writing papers? Mm. What if our trajectory is in a different place, say hospitality, right? Mm. Most people who come to Africa say, 
who come to Uganda, most people have met, they say, oh, this, this is a, a nice place, right? Mm-hmm. Uganda right now exports what I mean is very borderline slave trade, mm-hmm. a lot of maids to the east, right? Mm-hmm. What if we can organize around creating human services like no other country can, right? Mm-hmm. Like no other country can and offering that as our edge, you know, the way Ethiopians have the runners, mm-hmm. the way Uganda can have very nice mates, mm-hmm. you know, mates you'd love. I have cousins who work in the U.S. as, as mates, uh, what they call jail, you know, mm-hmm. uh, looking after old people, right? Mm-hmm. And here it's embarrassing. They come back and have to drive very big and expensive vehicles mm-hmm. because they don't want us to look down on them because we are looking at the service they're offering, which is a very human service mm-hmm. as a bad thing, right? Because, again, we've set this trajectory that because the Americans are very good, the Jews are very good at math, mm-hmm. For us to be very, very, uh, what's the word, to have the right esteem for ourselves, we have to be equally good at math. Mm-hmm. But this, okay, and I, I don't want to use this. Most people in the West, mm-hmm. they're going to leave their grandfathers in a home. Mm-hmm. Yeah? When their, grandfather, when their grandfather grows old, he's going to become a burden to mm-hmm. their father, not their grandfather. Their father is going to become a burden, mm-hmm. right? And then an African is going to come mm-hmm. and wash the, change the guy's diapers, right? Mm-hmm. This is a service that humanity needs that... Uh, maybe robots will do in the future, but so so. But uh, I'm yeah. saying we we don't have uh, the old people who need this service here, and uh, maybe also Sorry. important to ask is mm-hmm. the profitability and scalability of that kind of, of service. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Imagine uh, if we had to export the maids. To, and, and even if they were open, and they say, okay, give us 500 million maids mm-hmm. to, to do work, yeah, yeah. Uh, take care of the elderly or others in the rest of the world. Yeah. So who would remain here to take care of the affairs at home? That's but my, my point is that uh, <clears throat> even in hospitality, we need to be sure that the strategy we are choosing serves us best makes us competitive, uh, makes us look uh, dignified human beings, respectable, and we're also contributing towards the progress of human race. Because sometimes when we discuss as Africans and uh, Europeans, Americans, sometimes we sound like we are different kind of creatures. We are part and parcel of the human race. So if the Americans progress or the human beings in Europe progress, it simply means that there are other human beings who are still training. Our destiny as, as humanity is, is the same. Okay. We can be at different stages of civilization, different stages of uh, institutional organizing, but very, very surely we apply, we occupy the same space and our destiny is the same. And uh, I, I'll give you an example, you know, uh, there is a, a, a paper's reading which shows that uh, the poorest man on earth today enjoys better health than the richest man did 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I read uh, Stephen Pinker's book. I yeah, think yeah, I yes, yes, uh, yes. Enlightenment now. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Just think about that, mm. that 
the poorest man enjoys better health yeah, yeah. than uh, the richest man was able to. So that shows you the progress we are making. As humanity. Uh, and even these, these classifications, the boundaries we create in the form of countries, Uganda, Tanzania, continents, Africa, these are fictions. They are stories we have told ourselves mm. in order to manage society. But in at the beginning of times, there's nothing like Europe, there's nothing yeah, like yeah. America. These are labels we've created. And sometimes when I'm discussing with colleagues, uh, usually we have exchange programs and talk to students from the US. Ask them, but you know, you say we you're controlling migrations, your country, but who gave this to you? Mm-hmm. Apart from man sitting somewhere and say these are boundaries of America, mm-hmm. and he writes a law. Yeah, this are dead black and white letter. Yeah, and then he creates military. Yeah, yeah. but uh, maybe with a different legal regime, we could be talking of something completely different. So I think that it, it takes us back to the issue that uh, we should accept that we are dragging uh, sorry, I think we are trading others in terms of uh, the development and we must get our politics right we must get our economics right so that we are able to properly contribute to the progress of humanity yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, uh, so well, the way I want to like sort of move the conversation forward is yeah. going to seem like I disagree with you but yeah. Believe me, you're making very valid points that I totally agree with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the thing, right, mm-hmm. uh, that for me really uh, makes me skeptic about uh, most idealistic young people that I've had a conversation with mm-hmm. is, first of all, idealizing the West as mm-hmm. sort of the place we have to go. And I understand, you know, if you look at this rationally, mm-hmm. that Stephen Pinker book I was telling you, right? Mm-hmm. If you say, want to see how many people die while giving birth, Mm-hmm. You know, Africa leads by far. You know, if you want to say how many uh, people uh, sort of have basic needs, you know, people eat, uh, have enough and enough to waste, mm-hmm. Europe leads by far. You know, if you if you have those quantifiable metrics, mm-hmm. almost by all of them, the West is in a better place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the West itself comes with a burden of problems. You know, these things, right? These things that, they, that we trail at, uh, the, it, they come at a very huge cost, right? Uh, and for example, for the West, the, a significant chunk of the US mm-hmm. was built by Africans, right? It's just not by their will, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, this is the same question <coughs> in China, right? A significant chunk of Chinese development mm-hmm. has come at a great cost of humanity, right? Human is it, rights. Is it greater than the cost of being underdeveloped? Would you I think so. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Would you choose to be Uganda, not China. Me personally, a hundred percent. Every every day of my oh, oh, really? yeah. So so here here are two reasons, and, and I think this is actually where I was going, mm-hmm. right? In China, right? Mm-hmm. You will choose what what you call development, right? In, in Uganda, first of all, I'll tell you that uh, in my life, right, right now, right, mm-hmm. I can afford food and all that, right? Yeah. Today, in, today in Uganda, right? Mm-hmm. In China you probably find some person who's 10 times as rich as me who can afford all these things as well, right? Mm-hmm. 
but what this guy has is the right that uh, rather what this guy doesn't have is the right to his own privacy right mm -hmm. if the guy texted if i texted a joke to my friend a very good meme i saw on say a western website and i texted it to my friend and it's insulting mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the guy will come for me right first of all china is too developed mm -hmm. the proportionality it is too developed and too unfree to the extent that, first of all, Xi Jinping will know, okay, not Xi Jinping, but someone who is in charge of knowing for Xi Jinping will know that I've, I've sent that text, but it is very punitive, yeah? In Uganda, two things. First of all, Seven doesn't have the capability to know when I send a joke to DC Mondays, of course, I've tried to make it public, yeah? Mm -hmm. But also, uh, it's, well, I mean, so we're assuming not... Assuming he had the capability. Yeah, well, if he had the capability, that would be a different Rwanda, country. We could use the example yeah, of Rwanda. Rwanda. Yeah, good, good, good. Rwanda, they have the same level of censorship. Yeah, 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 true, true, true. You could say they have constrained freedom of expression. Yeah, yeah. Less, more or less of, 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 um, of China. Of China. Yeah, yeah. But they are still... Yeah, they're poor. But, but that's the thing is, so yeah. Rwanda, I would rather, that's actually the so, better question. Would you stay in Uganda or Rwanda if you were to choose? Would you choose Rwanda over Uganda? Because Rwanda, yeah. The way they are strategizing and planning to develop, mm -hmm. you know, at the expense of human rights, mm -hmm. is a straight line. It's very predictable. It's like running a company, right? Mm -hmm. Where you draw charts and say, uh, in 10 years, we are projecting this and this and this. Rwanda, most of that stuff will be achieved. Because, again, the way they are running Rwanda is like it's not a human society, right? It's like it's a business of goods and services, mm -hmm. right? Same thing they're doing in China. It's like the Chinese people are goods and services. We used to negotiate with what? other companies, other nations like the US in order to grow, right? And the question would be today, right? Uganda with all its curfew, would you rather live in Rwanda than live in what? In, in Uganda? For the same amount of I, money. I think really this is a hard question. It's a, a choice between economic progress and civil liberties. And human deterioration. When you say civil liberties, mm -hmm. you, you make it seem like uh, freedom yeah. is an option like poverty. People, some people can be not, not rich, but yeah, some people. But it's, it's possible also, mm -hmm. as in the case of Uganda, yeah. uh, have you know, minimal development and also not have free liberties because you I know, agree with that yeah, yeah true, true, true. so that's, for a, good example, that's uh, a good point yeah. yeah for example in media you know that the state usually controls what a mainstream media reports about so of what use is it to pretend that's a good point to be that's free a that's a good point at the cost of development and yet you still remain unfree okay so yeah so okay that's a hard one yeah um, uh, i'll be honest uh the the thing though my the way i see i see this is uh, the nature of Uganda, right, mm -hmm. today, yeah, mm -hmm. is that we've not committed, as Ugandans, right, mm -hmm. we've not committed to, to development, to economic development over humanity, right? The way I see it, what I see in Rwanda, alternatively, is mm -hmm. because, again, Rwanda, there is literally, there is sort of, what's the word for one opinion? There is no dissent at all, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> literally not there. So what I think really is that if the two countries, Rwanda mm. and Uganda, maintain the same trajectories, yeah. Yeah? yeah, Rwanda in 20 years will be a freer country and more developed country than Uganda. Because Uganda will develop at a much slower rate mm -hmm. and Rwanda will develop at a much faster rate. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, research shows that when a country develops, yeah, I think I know the research you're talking about. Yeah, the, the time reaches where the liberties are put at the yes, yes, the yeah. the middle class starts true, 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 agitating true, 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 for free true, true, for for liberties. True, true, true. I see. If we maintain the social structure mm-hmm. and the economic structure that we have in Uganda, what happens is that you have people who are incapable of demanding for their rights, and, and that's that that's very bad. So, in a a sense, you're nurturing a very, very bad dictatorship. It doesn't Mm. go away. Mm. It remains stable. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, again, it's unfortunate that (laughs) I have to be on this side of the mic, but I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In the end, according at least to the history of many countries, when development comes in, then the question of, you know, liberty comes back on the table, right? But... And maybe, let me also add, mm. that maybe, maybe... There is uh, too much uh, negative media about China than actually what is the place. I'm not in any way, in any way, yeah. defending the democratic record of China. Okay. Okay. But I think there is a lot of positive about China than yeah. is reported in the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But I've seen John Cena. When yeah. I was ki- when I was a kid, yeah. I used to be a fan of John Cena. I would go put yeah. on wrestling and pray that John Cena beats people. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to grow up and realize that the whole thing was a performance. Uh-huh. I used to think it was the whole thing, right? Yeah. But I saw John Cena. He made uh, a joke, I think, about China. Yeah. And I saw him apologizing because this movie he's in F nine. Yes. Uh, is it F ten? F nine. Formula. The, the the thing with Vin Diesel. The the, the the first car movies. Yes. He was in makes a huge number of sales. Yeah, in, in China. China and China has mm. the government. Yes. That can ban the whole movie. China. Because of a joke that that what uh, that John Cena made right. Yeah. At that place the mm. where even being rich no this guy here of Alibaba mm. where even being rich yeah, does yeah. not liberate you. Yeah. Because you're at the mercy, you're sort of your on borrowed life, right? Yeah. Everything you do is only good if it is good enough for the guy yeah. who gives you life, right? That is not freedom. There is no freedom at all in China. Yeah, because let's not forget that China is been out of poverty, uh, you know, barely 50 years. That's short a period of time compared to how many other democracies like the USA. Uh, took to be free. You know, remember that uh, the USA liberalized and gave uh, rights to women to vote just recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just around 1960s. But, but don't confuse no, that with freedom. Don't no, confuse that with freedom. No, no, what, what, what is freedom? So, so here's the thing. No, no, what is freedom? No, no, here's the thing, just, right? Just a moment. Okay, please, please, please. Where do you put a bar? Where, where, do, where do I put the line? Where... You know, you say women are not supposed to vote. Yeah. yeah. Where uh, the blacks don't have equal access to justice. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, I see. So you're going to go and mean the slave trade game. And that yeah, one I think no. is evil. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, I, I, it's, all, it's, all, it's all freedom. I totally, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree, right? Yeah. So, okay. Again, here's the thing, right? Yeah. You look at the US, right? Yeah. Uh, right now, the biggest conversation in the US mm. is whether. The biggest uh, uh, conversation around rights, human rights in the U.S. is whether I can wake up tomorrow and force everyone to call me a woman, right? Uh, Mm. They call it transgenderism, like uh, gender fluidity, right? Mm. That is the biggest conversation in the U.S., right? Mm. Ten years from now, right, Mm. when the Americans have fought that fight for us, Mm. right? 
uh, China is going to have gender fluidity. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And they're going to port what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to port. They're going to say the US mm-hmm. uh, in 2021 did not allow what she he right mm-hmm. that, that stuff right mm-hmm. at the point where women were not voting in the US mm-hmm. it was the norm mm-hmm. right it was the norm at the point where black people were slaves in the US mm-hmm. africa was a colony mm-hmm. a territory of england mm-hmm. right and the so like if you put it in the in the context of what the world was if you compare 54 yeah, yeah. so years that's, that's, that's to 54 yeah. years uh, the world today yeah. it is unfair to say that US was unfree in 1954 when there was no Uganda at that point where where you Ugandans were just what colonial subjects of what of the queen of england whatever yeah. right yeah. today There's a country called Uganda. There's a country called the US. There's a country called China, right? Mm-hmm. All these countries are sovereign, right? Mm-hmm. And now we measure them. So on each one's basis, which country is more free? Not which country was freer last year. Yeah, so you again I think you you vindicate the point that uh as making. Yeah, yeah. That uh once a society progresses economically, then they have the latitude to extend certain rights and it also takes time to break certain social forces social processes yeah, are very very painstakingly slow yeah, yeah, yeah. so china may not have developed as strong institutions social economic and political to you know give the kind of rights that you're talking about to the chinese america enjoys enjoys that mm-hmm. I, but I also agree with you that of course the we are always extending the the scale of of rights and america are always at the at the front line yeah they yeah. are the ones to you know give uh, rights to the minorities yeah. yeah they can afford that yeah. they can afford that and uh, that the discussion about for example the transgender conversation and we're like all, all right us has facilities to create for example uh bathroom. yes mm-hmm. bathrooms and yeah, other yeah, facilities yeah, yeah. at schools I, I agree, I agree with that. Yeah. but in a context like uganda where kids are still studying under the true, tree true, true, true. say that you create bathrooms for the for gents yeah, yeah. for the yeah, females yeah. and then for the transgender is not easy so this social economic and civil rights some of them have a huge impact on the economics so they they must be achieved with um certain level of economics uh, of resources sorry I yeah i yeah okay so i think the one factor that though you're not putting into consideration <coughs> and i agree with you right uh, at least from the countries we see development is sort of directly proportional to freedom in a, to a certain limit right let us look at Once upon a time, countries mm-hmm. that were almost considered to be at the similar level, right? Mm-hmm. The USSR mm-hmm. and its counterpart, <clears throat> the the America, right? Mm-hmm. The West, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is Russia manages to defeat Hitler, mm-hmm. right? They the mistake they make, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is fall for the wrong ideology. Mm-hmm. Right, so Russia chooses to go with a communist perspective, mm-hmm. uh, and they, you know, again, uh, if you read Lenin and and Marx's uh, the, the manifesto, 
mm-hmm. you know, the Communist Manifesto. It's mm-hmm. very, very beautifully written. So, you know, you can't forgive people for, for thinking that that can be actually well executed, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens is, again, the, the fundamental mistake that Russia makes mm-hmm. is the same mistake that I think China is making, is thinking the idea mm-hmm. of Russia or USSR mm-hmm. is more important than the people that make Russia, right? And so that is the difference between what America does. Because America decides, or the West say, I think America is not even a good example. Mm. Britain, right? Mm. Britain decides to say, the individual, Mm. right? We are going to base, no, actually that's America, I think. We are going to base this, whatever we are doing, Mm. the society, Mm. on the rights of the individual, right? Mm. Why Russia says, we have Russia, we are going to base this on the society, right? Mm-hmm. The idea, this uh, human-made idea that this is Russia, what you just said, someone signing on a paper in black and white, mm-hmm. becomes more important <clears throat> than the actual living, talking human being with a soul, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what China is saying. So China throws around numbers like, ah, people are free, blah, 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 blah. No, not people are free. People, we have GDP, we have uh, uh, 90 ABB, you know, all those vowels that don't, I'm rather short forms, abbreviations that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. China can throw them around. But what they are selling is this idea that some guy wrote in a paper called China, mm-hmm. right? But the actual people in China, if the richest, okay, not the richest guy, but one of the really rich Chinese mm-hmm. comes out to just criticize indirectly the government, mm-hmm. if that guy can be penalized to the extent that he can't even come back and talk on the internet, mm-hmm. then what about you? So the, the classic distinction between the USA and the Chinese model of development is this that in the USA and uh, you know the entire West, they have what we call individual capitalism, yeah, individual liberties, yeah, uh, you know market freedoms. Okay, in China they have what we call <coughs> excuse me state capitalism. Yeah, so that's why you see most of the companies constructing yeah. roads yeah. across Africa. State owned, yeah. So, meaning that still in China, you won't have enough middle class economy which is going to, uh, you know, challenge the state mm-hmm. on certain rights, yeah. But that notwithstanding, by the mere fact of economic progress, people continuously ask for freedoms. Yeah, but I, and and you remember the student protest in Beijing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen. There have been so many protests. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been unheard of in uh, in Mao's China. Yeah, no, it's yeah, just, there was a yes, protest in Mao where people yes, killed all those students. Yes. So what I'm saying that of course progress will take time. So, but, so I, I but, think my point though yeah. is. Uh, progress to where, right? If we if we if we set off from this point and mm-hmm. I go this one, you go that way. You're making progress to where you're going, and I'm making progress where I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. But if we want to measure this global progress as one thing, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen that the country that experimented with this idea of putting imaginary words over humans, you know, Russia, USSR, you know, the state apparently owns a company. You know, we don't know what the state is. What you know? I hope you know that the Russia has since abandoned its mode of communism. Yeah, Russia has, has... And is moving towards no. state-controlled democracy. It has moved towards Ugandanism. What, I, what Russia is doing is I, this about thing. I think it's about that the Chinese constitution expressly states that uh, China is... Uh, uh, 
Anyway, we call it a dictatorial democracy. No, it's a, a dictatorship with democratic tendencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so the express a statement is a dictatorship with democratic values. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so the problem with that is in the US, yeah, mm-hmm. you grow up knowing, however unrealistic this is, that you can become the president. If, you, if your ideas are strong, you know, this is unrealistic, I agree, right? But if your ideas are strong enough and if you do the right things, you can lead the free world. Let, let me first finish my point. Let me just finish yeah. my point, right? Yeah. In China, this is beaten out of you from childhood. You're told, if you want to join politics, mm-hmm. join the party, mm-hmm. uh, respect the party, and maybe if you're lucky enough, if you're chosen, if the powers that be the state, that illusion, the state, mm-hmm. if the state looks upon you and it says, oh, this guy is worthy of being what a leader, then you'll be a leader, right? Mm-hmm. So as a kid, the idea of individual uh, flourishing is beaten mm-hmm. out of you, right? Mm-hmm. Versus in the US. So even if these two countries are progressing fine, mm-hmm. I think that destinies cannot be the same. One is a mental prison where people feel that they're not complete until they're part of China. Mm-hmm. The other is where rebels can come, where if you disagree with the state, you feel like you, you're free enough to take up arms, you're legitimate enough to take up arms and even challenge a constitution, right? Mm-hmm. So in, a, in, in both those worlds, yeah, me. I want to live in a world where I'm not sure whether I'll eat tomorrow, but I can take up arms and fight for my freedom tomorrow, mm-hmm. rather than living in a world where I'm being fed. Nice. Let me first finish actually this analogy. I've thought of something very nice. There is a, a writer called uh, Nassim Taleb, mm-hmm. right? Nassim Taleb makes an analogy called the Turkey analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the the. I, I okay. So let me just explain to you. So when you have a Turkey. Mm-hmm. Right, you buy a turkey three months to Thanksgiving. Right, mm-hmm. you give it food every day. You give it food every day. Mm-hmm. Right, the turkey is so happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're feeding it to become fat, so you eat it on what on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. What the turkey doesn't know mm-hmm. that at the climax of its happiness, mm-hmm. you know, the climax of its happiness mm-hmm. is the day it's supposed to die because that is when it has gained the required amount of weight mm-hmm. for the owner to eat it. Right, mm-hmm. and I feel like people who think the Chinese or Andes model works. Mm. They're the turkey, right? If you don't have the right on who is feeding you, mm. that person, at the point where he decides what they did to Jack Ma, at the point where he decides you're fat enough to be eaten, mm. the man is going to come and what? And slaughter you. Mm. Although in the US, maybe the turkey will not have eaten as very fatty food as the, what? the Chinese, mm. but that turkey will live to fight for his death. So, two observations. Number one, I think again, there's a, a very big bias against China, you describe it quite more dimly than the realities actually show on, on, on... I saw Jakuma. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. That, that was a bad, bad, bad real experience. But again, uh, I think that each system has its own positives and negatives. Whereas the US model has been successful, let's also not forget that uh, about 10% of the of the the country, yeah, of the people in the country, own as much as the rest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Just just think about it. That on a whole, as rich as the US is, that it is owned by ten percent. Apart from Scandinavia, so, so, is there a country so, where it's more distributed than the US? Where wealth is more distributed than the US? Apart from Scandinavia. Let me come. Okay. So when you compare the situation, China, you find that. The, the vast uh, majority of the resources of China 
are owned by the state mm-hmm. on behalf of the Chinese people. Oh, come on. You don't so believe what? that. So, you no, don't no, believe no, that the state, you don't believe so, that the Ugandan state, no, no, okay, we're about to continue, but yeah. that is just a fallacy, right? Yeah. The Chinese state yeah. is its own sovereign individual. It owns things to buy guns, to make sure that people stay subservient. It doesn't own things mm. on behalf of the Chinese people. Mm. The only reason mm. Chinese people are alive Mm-hmm. under the Chinese state is because the state needs them to negotiate with other states. So my point is that uh, the Chinese society is more equal than the US society and if on average a Chinese is better off than an average American. Of course that is using economic measures but when you I go to when you Even go economic to measures, I don't think that's true. I think although Chinese have come out of uh, extreme poverty, a significant number of them, mm-hmm. they are still Chinese mm-hmm. who who are within the extreme poverty line, who mm-hmm. live below the extreme poverty line. And even the extreme poverty line for, for the UN, by which they measure they, they measure the China's uh, success story mm-hmm. is very different from what? The poverty line, the, the American poverty line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah. No, when it comes to economics, they have to check the numbers. But I don't agree at all that the average Chinese, because that, China has a billion people, is actually better. No, I don't agree with that at all. Because yeah, first of all, the so American economy is bigger than, than the Chinese. It's still bigger than the Chinese economy, and China has a billion people. Oh, no GDP per capita. Can you Google GDP per capita for China so we can see? If if you, if you don't agree, actually, yeah, yeah. But you see, GDP per capita is going to mislead you. Because they will get all the money in that economy mm-hmm. and they will distribute it according to the population. But when you look closely, you realize that uh, the wealth is within the hands of 110%. But the other China, 90%. In China, the other no, one 90%, has the wealth, no one has the wealth. So you're saying these people no. are all poor, they are equally poor. No, no, that, is that, that, what you're saying? That, is, that is not true. But because if you say in China, so you said in China, yeah. people have no wealth. You're saying that people don't own companies. Oh, you're saying that people. You're saying that people have poor health. No, 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 no. You're saying that people have poor transportation. No, I'm saying people don't own companies. Yeah, but that, that is what but, I'm saying. But, I'm but, saying but, you but, can but, go. You can go and get in in thinking. This used to be Chuba. Mm. I don't know what the state of Chuba right now, mm. but Chuba, you couldn't own anything, but you could go and get cured, right? Yeah. In Uganda. Uh, say for example you can go and pray mm-hmm. right you don't own churches yeah so, so like having access to service mm-hmm. and being actually rich mm-hmm. I think are different things in a country like China where the state mm-hmm. owns everything right mm-hmm. and you live at the mercy of the state you can't I, I, call I don't think rich that, people I don't think that the state owns everything actually the strongest and the biggest companies in China are state owned but there is also in individual entrepreneurs. Yeah, but those can be the state can just snap uh, and take that away. Well, that that can be urged. And I'm, again, oh. I'm not in support of China, but I'm saying that its yeah. model of development has has positives. I, yeah. And um, if they democratize, which is inevitable, there will be a stronger economy than the US. And okay. I think that. Uh, all the indicators show that. All right. Uh, so let's move on a little bit. I think it may be hard to for me to look at the sympathetic version of a country with no freedom, right? Mm. But let us now move to Kawempe here. 
mm-hmm. where, where you're doing all the work, right? Yeah. First of all, first explain to me what mm-hmm. does it entail? Like what is the journey sort mm-hmm. of for for the councillor mm-hmm. and the speaker in, in the council? So you know that uh, in Uganda we have uh, uh, a dual system of governance. Yeah. By the virtue of Article One Seventy Six of the Constitution, nineteen ninety five, yeah. we established a mode of governance known as local governance, whereby districts became the basic units of governance under the spirit of decentralization of services, powers, and functions. So, Kampala is a special district, or uh, a special unit as a capital city. So, we have five divisions. Kawempe, Nakawa, Central, Rubaga, and Machindi. So, the the role of the council is mainly representation. The uh, seat to what is equivalent of uh, a local parliament. I see, I see. see. That's our, our parliament. So, it is representation, it is oversight, it is legislation. At the national level, Parliament makes acts of Parliament that those are laws that are binding on the entire country okay. and they are the supreme. Then at the district level, we have uh, what we call ordinances, which are laws that govern uh, the jurisdiction of that district yeah. and are not supposed to contradict laws made by Parliament. So at our level, at the division level, and the division in uh, Kampala is equivalent to a municipality. So we are a municipality. I see, I see. We make what we call bylaws. So those laws govern that people that stay mm-hmm. within that jurisdiction. Uh, so we, and still these laws can't contradict the national no, laws? No, no, no. They are not supposed to contradict any higher law. I see, I see. For example, you can't make... Uh, a bylaw that contradicts an ordinance made by KCC authority. Ah, okay. yeah. yeah, makes sense. Okay. Yes, yeah, so uh, we are supposed to monitor and evaluate service delivery mm-hmm. to the people of Kawempe and also, of course, uh, do representation. Mm-hmm. And representation is a uh, pick really a serious issue and give it. Uh, political force so that those who are responsible can act in a responsive manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So me as a speaker, my role is to preside over the council meetings mm-hmm. and the council, like I've already said, is the supreme yeah. lawmaking uh, organ of the division. I see. How, what is the budget of this council? For example, what would how much money of the Ugandan budget is spent on Mm. Kawempe Division Council? Well, that is uh, not known because uh, powers have not been fully devolved to these divisions. Okay. We still depend on uh, on City Hall. I see, I see. Yeah, but that is illegal, of course. Okay, first explain that to me. What <coughs> is the ideal situation and what is the current situation? The ideal situation, according to the KCC Act, is that uh, we are supposed to collect local revenues Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, make our own budgets, our own mm-hmm. budgets, and have a, an operational account, meaning that we can we can say okay we have five billion, mm-hmm. 
spend this financial year. And then we allocate it according yeah. to the perceived priorities. And that money is sent to the division account. And then we do the expenditures. And then according, of course, to the plans. Yeah. Yeah. And then after account, and then go to another financial year. That is not what is happening. What is happening is that KCCA budgets for these divisions. So they come and tell you, oh, you have this. Mm-hmm. But even then, they don't send the money to you. They actually do all the procurement, oh, uh, everything for you. So, so, so the, when I wake up in the morning, yeah. I see guys sweeping this road. Yeah. You're saying that, is, that should be done by, that should be managed by the division. Yes. But KCCA is instead doing it. Well, when it comes to roads, specifically sweeping, mm. because there is road construction, yeah, yeah. that is one aspect, then there is road maintenance and cleanliness and hygiene. Mm-hmm. The hygiene and the cleanliness aspect is managed by the division. Ah, okay, I see, I see. So I see. we have a circle. People organized in circles, so they, we have people who sweep and the supervisors. Mm. That circle is managed at the division level, but they are paid by KCCA. Of course, that's a wrong model. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see that. Yeah. So, so yeah, the other thing that now I would, I would want to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in your opinion, mm-hmm. <coughs> isn't the division now, rather the division leadership, yeah. since it's almost incompetent, mm-hmm. important, actually not even incompetent, important, it could be competent, I don't know the competence level, but since it's non-functional per se, right? Don't you think it's just an expense on the normal Uganda now? Because if you have to pay your salary, mm-hmm. yet whatever you're supposed to do technically the KCCA does, mm. why wouldn't you be as the speaker of the division mm. asking that your job and people who share your job be terminated instead? Well, I, I don't think that impotence would uh, clearly describe, it. describe what is actually happening. Because even within that restrictive environment, I think there is still some good okay. done by the political structure at the okay. division. However, it could be much better if we were fully empowered mm-hmm. as by the law established to do what we are supposed to do. That's why we have been caught. That's why we are, we are fighting to make yeah, sure that yeah. uh, the center can no longer exercise these powers which have been devolved by parliament to the divisions. I see. First, yeah. explain to me the case. I don't think I've, I've heard of the. There is a case right now in court where divisions want to be able to execute. Yeah. So last time the mayors came together and and went to court mm-hmm. over the continued exercise of powers and functions that have been devolved by the law to the divisions, but KCC is still. still doing that. Yeah. So. You say that the division in Kampala is the equivalent of the municipal in municipality in the municipality in, in other anywhere. Yeah, anywhere else, right? Yeah. What is the situation in the municipalities that means in uh, in so, so the municipalities, yeah. for example, if you go to Mitiana municipality, mm-hmm. yeah. Mitiana district, those are two administrative units. The district has its own budget that it manages. I see. And the municipality has its own budget oh. that it manages. I see, I see, I see. Yeah. So, if uh, if for example, we were given our powers, would say for example, want a garbage problem in Kawempe. Mm-hmm. So, would focus 
prioritize garbage and put the money there but now we can't do it because KCC decides what it wants to prioritize yeah, i yes. see i see and mm. why is that why why is it that is it after Museveni tried to overthrow Lukwago mm. by introducing the authority is that how the things got mixed up or has it been like this for forever Now this is uh, an expression of the bigger problems within the KCCA okay. that in the design of the law itself the spirit was bad yeah the spirit was you know number one politically Kampala yeah, true, true, true. is the the hotbed of opposition in Uganda yeah, yeah. so the central government whereas the constitution by the spirit of the constitution is supposed to be decentralized the central government still wanted Tremaine with control over Kampala. Mm-hmm. That's why there is a position of the ED. Mm-hmm. That is not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was a power structure to check the political power. Okay. So Lukwago is there but more or less ceremoniously. True, true, true. Yes. Uh, well, with the amendment now it has an executive but still that one is executive director. All administrative work or the technical work or the planning is done by by the executive so that's the spirit of the law but also because of the bad governance uh, environment in this country uh, even what the law has said should be the structure is not implemented deliberately out of bad spirit Mm. Yeah, because again, it's it's, uh, it's up to the you know the feelings of the people in the NRM whether or not power yeah. should be yeah, devolved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When Je- Jennifer Musisi was the ED, when people were being recruited ultra-virus, you know, I mean, outside the law mm-hmm. on a contract basis, they were being cut by KCC, whereas the right procedure would have been. Uh, through public service and uh, on a, on a, you know full time basis i see so so yeah so there are two things right um i know a significant number of people who work for authorities mm-hmm. right uh, <coughs> i know i have a good friend who works in ura yeah. i have uh, another good friend who works for this thing for electricity right mm-hmm. but these although these are government entities they are mm-hmm. allowed to run as uh, as businesses basically their structure so if you go mm-hmm. to say uh, URA they have fine, fine commissioners and whatever mm-hmm. but their structure is uh, like to run like a normal business you know you have targets mm-hmm. you invest within the company on strategies on how to meet these targets mm-hmm. and yeah in the end although what probably would be profit i think even actually a significant number of profit anything that exceeds the target that say the ministry has set for for URA is used within URA to make URA business more efficient right mm-hmm. yeah uh, and i th- i think it's the same thing with the electricity generation right mm-hmm. uh, still you have targets and whatever and uh, the government foot some of the budget but mm-hmm. if by some chance you manage to do this more efficiently the, the excess you use it within like sort of profit you reinvest your profit mm-hmm. you use it within to make this thing work efficiently right yeah. kcc is an authority yeah right so my you know my 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 thought on this is that kcca should work like that mm-hmm. right uh how is kcca different from okay two questions actually how is kcca different from ura in terms of organizational structure because you brought up the hiring thing but also how is kcca 
now different from Jinja cities. Mm-hmm. You know, Jinja CC maybe Jinja. I don't know what they call it. Jinja city. Yeah. So number one, KCC is a special kind of authority mm-hmm. because unlike URA, which is a, a, an authority of government mm-hmm. set up to collect tax. Yeah with an executive director whose role is to manage staff, maybe let's say 200, 500, whichever number it is. Yeah. Uh, KCC is a political administrative unit. Okay. okay. With uh, about 1.8 million resident people yeah, true, 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 true. and about a population of 4.8 million people uh, during during that time, who come there? So KCC is better. Uh, you're better off comparing it to a local government unit, like mm-hmm. uh, let's say Mukono district. Yeah, yeah. But this is a political establishment. Yeah, I see, I see, I see. And even the creation of the authority and what this is political gerrymandering at play. Creation of distortions. Mm-hmm. Because you want to curtail politics, it's a result of the intention of government to manage yeah. the people of Kampala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, purely, uh, it should be uh, more or less of a local government unit. But the other special thing about Kampala or KCCA uh, that is not shared with other cities like Jinja, Mbarada, and so many others is that this is the capital. Mm. And even by the constitution, I don't, I don't remember whether it's Article 5, I think somewhere in the schedule of the constitution, uh, they talk of a number of districts and Kampala is mentioned as a capital city. So it's a special, special entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a physical area, yes, but it must be treated in a, in a special because this is the capital, this is yeah, the center yeah. of power within the country. So yeah, yeah, let's talk about your job. Like, mm. what what would entail your day to day tasks? So, for example, when you wake up on Monday, mm. uh, what does that mean for you? Uh, presiding over the the, the the division parliament is one thing, mm. but what is that job? What does that mean? What is your description? So let's talk about my job. Mm. Uh, ideally, sure. if we are operating in a mm. in a normal in a normal situation, yeah. yeah. It would be that of a speaker of parliament. Okay. Yeah, but at a much, much lower level. Because uh, you're supposed to receive opinions from the people, uh, from the councillors. But uh, the biggest responsibility of a speaker, anyway, whether it's parliament, is to chair the meeting so that the decisions can be taken. Because no before a budget for example can be spent you must first pass it as a budget that is a statutory instrument it's 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 a law mm-hmm. so That's ours right. is to make laws mm-hmm. so at that level we are supposed to make a bureau in the form of a budget governing for kawempe yeah yeah so of course we have to take it upwards to be approved uh, since we are not completely autonomous uh, but we also have to take decisions that are administrative but uh, that bind on the division yeah 
decisions on service delivery, decisions on public management, decisions on environment, every aspect you think about, apart from those that have been retained by the government, but all those functions mm. which have been devolved to the local, especially like things like education, health, HIV AIDS mainstreaming, garbage collection, security, and others. Those the council decides. So usually when we are not having a council meeting, we are seated in the office and receiving people. These offices are public offices. Mm. Oh, they are okay. supposed to be accessed by people. I see, I see. But we also operate what we call the committee model. Most of the business of council is handled at the committee level. So we have six committees. Okay. And each of the each of the councillors is supposed to be a member of a committee. Mm-hmm. So the departmental so heads. No, we have uh, 86 councillors. In the division? Yes. Oh, so okay. when you divide by six committees, that's about, you know, 13 members yeah, per yeah. committee. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, so departmental heads bring their reports uh, to be evaluated and discussed at the committee level. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, uh, remedial decisions can be taken whether ills or mischief or problems mm-hmm or better plans incorporated. Uh, so that, that's how we run. Yeah. Then we also have a business committee, and that's what decides what goes on the order paper. So the business committee is chaired by the speaker, yeah. but then it has uh, the other members are, are the chairpersons of committees. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that is ideally what's supposed to happen. Yes, yes. Yeah, first, yeah, give me. It doesn't have to be like extremely accurate, you know. Like, what is what are those things that happen in your job that you just have to improvise because that's the nature of the politics in the country. Uh, well, first of all, in terms in terms of the structure, mm. I for example, I don't have salary yet. Oh, what? Yet that the position was created, I think more than. 14 months ago. So the salary for the speaker or the salary for the councillor? For the speakers. Ah, okay. So the council, our councillors earn around 2.8 million. Okay. Yeah, but the one for the speaker has never been decided. So yeah. I've had, <laughs> I've been running around. The minister, according to the law, is supposed to determine the salaries of political leaders. Mm-hmm. But because of misinterpretation of laws, and this is the danger of having incompetent people in offices. Someone is empowered by office, he says, no, I need to go back to parliament to get authority to decide your salaries. So, the, you know, the position of the speaker was introduced towards the end of last term. Yeah, yeah. So we elected speakers in March last year. Those people ended their office without being paid. And we have taken over as new speakers, but we have been we're not yet being yeah. paid. Well, so what does that mean when the sorry before you go? Mm. When the minister now knows, mm. does that mean there is back payment or the other guys? I think that's power? what they will have to do as the right okay, thing okay, to do. If they don't yeah. do it, we we'll, we'll go to court. That, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So, but also in terms of infrastructure, where you're supposed to sit, mm-hmm. you go to an office and there's no electricity. You can't yeah, sit there. Have, <laughs> 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 but this is Kampala capital city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Kawempe, one of the biggest 
revenue, revenue contributors. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. As you know, about 70% of the of our budget is collected here in Kampala. Yeah, yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah, but uh, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, I don't want us yeah, to digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, we we make that contribution. But then you don't have an office where the division speaker can sit. So I, I'll tell you that uh, in terms of uh, office setup, we still have challenges. Uh, speakers know where to sit. But also council. Uh, we are supposed to have council chambers. Yeah. Just like you see city hall. Of course, even the city hall compared to the uh, to the you know the the authority uh, of the of the city hall, it's it's, uh, self, it's too far below the standard. Especially when you compare it to the one of Nairobi. Okay. Far, 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 far much better than ours. Yeah, but the point is that uh, that uh, that as it may. We still don't have council chambers, so we have to sit at hotels. And every time we sit at hotel, we spend nine million. That is not cost effective. That is per sitting. Per sitting, spend nine million on the hotel. Oh wow! So yeah. that, that's that's a lot of money. Yes, yes, yes. But also it undermines the sacredness of the council because this is the people's house, the people's parliament. We are exercising the authority of the people. The people are the sovereign. Yeah, yeah, nice. No, and then we, you find that uh, we are seated somewhere in, in a hotel as if we are on a wedding. It, it takes away the symbolism, takes yeah, away, yeah, it waters down. So, uh, what does this mean also in terms of like uh, the corruption thing? You know, how much do you get to give a hotel a good deal? So you'd be sitting at the guys. If I have my hotel mm. and I, and I wanted you guys to come to my hotel, the budget is nine million, and I said, mm. "Come and sit for four million, and you share the rest." How often does that? No, happen? no. Actually, we we don't decide that. We put in a, a requisition to KCCA, so the oh, money is paid. So it's from the guy the in KCCA who makes that. Deal. Yeah, the, you know we have what we call public uh, uh, procurement mm. and disposal. No, which guides how you can procure services or goods on behalf of the public or how you can dispose of public goods or services. So it's a guard, the city hall. But in uh, in our case, we have decided not to go back to hotels as a protest. So we'll be sitting in the communities. And uh, I think my last special council was in Katanga because we sat in Katanga there in the slum. That's where we organized our council. So most of our councils will be sitting in the community, look for tents, we sit there. I see. So, okay, so in terms of mobilization now, for example, right? Mm. Uh, you said uh, there, there are some division councillors <coughs> yeah. who are in NRM, yeah. right? In a situation like this, where are you protesting? Mm. Are they also on board? Is this like uh, the Americans say bipartisan? Mm. Is this something that is multipartisan where all councillors agree that hotels is not the right approach? Or is it again an opposition thing where only opposite because you're the leader? Mm. You say, um, you're the leader, I'm assuming, because uh, mm. the majority of the councillors are no, mm. right? Or they are opposition, okay. Now, is this the decision that what? That uh, 
NRM people, NRM councillors also agree to, or is it a decision that, uh, you know, that is an opposition decision basically? Well, uh, number one, uh, the law gives the speaker powers to decide the time of venue. I see, I see, okay. Uh, where the council meeting can sit. So I, I, that's administrative. Yeah, so okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. that time we were having an induction and uh, moderator, uh, sorry, the facilitator was joking with the councillors that the speaker can even take you in his compound. The, the law empowers him yeah, to yeah, do yeah. that. But of course, uh, what you're asking politically uh, is relevant because if the councillors are opposed to the venues you're taking to them, then it's likely to backfire on you. The advantage I have is that uh, majority of the councillors, including the NRM, agree with uh, uh, my arguments that it is not cost-effective yeah. to have you know council in hotels. Yeah, so they support this kind of protest. Okay, so yeah. in terms of uh, in terms of say progress, right? If you look at this uh, as a trajectory, you know, mm. uh, five, ten, twenty years from now, mm. do you see Uganda where, for example, the division is more empowered, mm. or do you see Uganda where the division is gotten rid of once and for all? Uh, first of all, I think that uh, we are getting rid of the NRM government very soon. And as soon as we, we remove uh, the NRM junta, we shall restructure. Okay. We, we have, uh, you know, ambitious and far-reaching reforms mm -hmm. in terms of uh, government institutions, in terms of uh, administrative units. We don't agree as the NUP with the so many districts that have been segmented. Uh, actually, the NIM talks of uh, decentralization, but it's a decentralization policy. It's just created districts, but they are not accompanied with corresponding increase or improvement in service delivery. Yeah, that, yeah. So we have to do that away with that. We have to cut down uh, public expenditure on the number of MPs, I think we cut it. Would cut it by about eighty percent. That that, 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 that parliament. Them, so. Yes, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah. It's, it will be a complete overhaul. Yeah. We have to rethink the architecture of governance in this country because we must be concerned with the value for money. Yeah, we. we I think we are over governed, but in that over governance. This uh, comes at the cost of service delivery. So we must correct all those, all those things, things like uh, RDCs, uh, no, this uh, expenditure on... Uh, yeah, on, so okay, on, that's on, a good point you raise, right? Yeah. The role of the RDC, mm. what, what is that? And you know what, what role does it contradict in the local government? To spy for the president. Okay. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the president tell us he's supposed to do? Uh, the RDC. Well, uh, according to the Local Government Act, the RDC is the representative of oh, the, the president. president. Yeah. So he's the head of the security in the district. 
also the, the president is ideally the head of the security in the country yeah exactly <laughs> chief for yeah okay commander in chief those people think that we have the chief in command <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's your RDC but that's a funny structure. So you you have cows and you have town clerks and uh, they are not empowered to do their their jobs. From 7 it's all about political corruption and survival right, in yeah. the politics of of survival and regime longevity. So that kind of uh, environment does not drive economic development, does not drive social change. Instead, it is a, a very big obstacle because in our current environment, you're spending on the most unproductive people. Actually, there is an American author. I don't know if it is, I don't forget, I don't recall his name, but he said that the economy, he was referring to the Brazilian economy, that it grows at night while the politicians are asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the, in the case of, of Uganda, the, uh, I think that the little progress we achieve is at night when the politicians are in their bed sleeping. Or in the bus. Apart, yes, in the bus. Apart from congesting our roads with uh, lead cars and yeah. those cars and those so many vehicles, they are busy rushing to go and do what? Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> the speed with which they are, you know, chasing people yeah. out of the way doesn't reflect in their administrative decisions and uh, service delivery. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to <clears throat> now conclude, but I just wanted to get a picture, and I don't know how comfortable you are sharing, you know, Yeah. what your goal is. And, and let me first give you my assessment. And when mm. I had uh, the guild president once on the podcast, mm. I tried to share with him this exact thought. Mm. In my opinion, mm. uh, the regime mm. is intimidated by competence. Right. Yeah. We've had a very good conversation. I think mm-hmm. most of the things where we've disagreed, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I'm right as well. You know, yeah. we, we are we, we yeah. are that place where yeah. you you've made extremely valid points. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, mm-hmm. yeah. If you can challenge me, I'm like the the, the lion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that right that yeah, I mean, yeah, expressing intelligence yeah. is a big threat to mm-hmm. the regime. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to. If politics is really a thing you want to pursue long term, mm-hmm. right? Where is the compromise going to be? And uh, I think I, I don't know. You don't seem naive to me to think that mm-hmm. there is a way you can work in the regime mm-hmm. while still maintaining some sort of competence, while people can have coherent conversations with you and you share like real ideas of how things can actually work. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, of course, I think some of the competent people or once were competent people. Uh, people who don't hold any kind of political positions or any kind of public positions. If you look at uh, this old man in Bank of Uganda, I yeah, think once upon a time was competent. Yeah. yeah, but again, and maybe the people who advise him, who we don't know, yeah. those probably have some level of competence, but that is the Are price. Are you that now he's senior? He's old. There is no way you okay. can be competent at that maybe. age. Yeah. yeah. There is this guy they hired in in finance. Uh, people mm-hmm. say it's a real who put him there, oh, Gobi, the, the former lecturer. Yeah. I have my skepticism for him, but, mm-hmm. you know, again, uh, we, 
no okay i don't but okay my point is mm. you know where are you going to make the compromise mm. you know to grow politically are you going mm. to stay in opposition forever you know the success in opposition right mm. you can be areas ukwago mm. yeah areas ukwago is the epitome of competence mm. yeah but you know he's stuck where he is mm. yeah uh you can be well you can switch sides yeah you can join the junta bigobi mm. be put in a sort of administration somewhere in public service and you help actually streamline things you know if you have like an eye for that i'm not actually sure where like your specialty is specifically but you seem like you have a clear picture of the big picture you sort of you're very clear eyed mm. uh also alternatively you can join an ngo be nikopio mm. uh say politics is for you know hooligans and you go and start your own NGO. Where are you looking to? Oh, you know, obviously the government can fall and you can be in things. Mm-hmm. That I'm very, very skeptic about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, where where do you think the compromise is going to be most likely as a ladder for growth for you? Oh, you know, again, politics, you can be some some Uganda, you can go to the next step, mm-hmm. contest for parliament and, you know, further and further. Where, where are you looking to go? Where is your trajectory looking? No, honestly, I must concede that uh, that's a very hard question. Um, uh, I don't know if it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate or fortunate for me. Uh, I, I, I have kind of options. Mm-hmm. I have the academia. I have a passion for the academia. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, I, I can pursue the academic line mm-hmm. and become a professor and come back and, and lecture yeah I that, that's also yeah, it's really well spoken that, 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 thank you uh, <laughs> that that's 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 my passion i actually I see, I see. Okay. don't know how i ended in politics but also i, I think that uh, as young people we should be concerned about how we are governed true, 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 true. yeah because i think that politics determines everything and i've had many young people and others say that politics is that they can't go there. But life is about politics. And it yeah. is the politics that decides what you achieve in this society. I can assure you, politics decides everything. Everything. Anywhere. Everything. Everything you think about yeah. is determined by politics. So we need more of our talented people in politics. Of course, the space and the kind of environment, the violence, the intimidation, um, it kind of scares away our best brains from participating. I, I read an article where I think it was useful, Serum Kuma, asking the likes of God Batumushari the likes of uh, um, the likes of uh, is this Dr. Wakida, the director of research international research world international, and, um, and many others, brilliant, you know, well educated uh, people in uh, various industries who are doing well. People would think that if these were in government. This were in administration, in our politics, maybe would be doing better. And I agree because, you know, historically, government is an aristocracy of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
was asking a question, how come that our politics has attracted people that we perceive to be of, of poor quality? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a crisis. Yeah, that's a crisis yeah. because you want your best in a politics. When you look at the founding fathers yeah. of, the, of, of America, these were serious thinkers. They put down an infrastructure in form of a document, guiding document called the United States Constitution that has guided this nation to prosperity and greatness. Yeah. So the job of governance and building the nation is a serious job that needs serious and dedicated thinkers. But you're not going to get that if the, the environment is corrosive, mm-hmm. if the environment is uh, toxic. But the question is, who then creates okay. the conducive environment? I see, I see. It is through participation of of young people and that takes sacrifice and that that brings me to your question i can assure you without fear for contradiction that i can never cross to the nrm because i am convinced that it is a bad government composed of a small group of people who decided to come together to eat on behalf of others and all they are concerned about is eating, eating, and entrenching their kinsmen and those around them. These others the, from these other regions, they are just co-opted mm-hmm. to, 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 yeah, to yeah. make sure that they sustain the eating, right. to, 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 to dress it up, look like nice, but it's bad. So I can never support them. And the beauty is that for me, I'm not a man who is driven by money. So not, there's no amount of money you're going okay. to give me I see, I see. that makes me cross the NRM. I am satisfied. I come from a very humble background. Whether that is bad or good. But it gave me a training of being satisfied with little. Number two, I think that many people wonder how we survive in a very hostile environment in politics in Uganda. But I have meditated about death quite a number of times. And I've realized that the fear of death or the fear of going through horrible experiences can control you. It's the biggest mental prison. Yes, it can control you in far-reaching ways. You can even stop doing what is right because of fear of what is going to happen. So I have come to terms with the fact that whether I die 80, 100, it eventually we all are going to disappear into this, this horror of infinity. We are all sometimes. So I kind of, I don't know, uh, you know, we have a saying in the opposition, Timitima Jakarova. I don't know if it's a bad or good attitude. I, I, of course, I, I would like to live longer, longevities of the essence, but it no longer controls me in a way. Of course, I try to be careful. Yeah, but, uh, I am committed and dedicated to making sure that I make a contribution. So in a nutshell, uh, 
when I try to go around my affairs, I'm trying to balance politics and the academia. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I think that full-time politicians are also not good. Yeah, yeah. You, you need to really continuously study your society, understand theories, and do research so that you are able to, you know, in an exacting manner, diagnose what the problem of the society is. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, that's that's quite powerful. That. Uh, Thank you. If you start a church now, you have. Uh... <laughs> so, so so the other thing though, right? Yeah. Uh, Steven Pinker. Yeah. Yeah. So before he write this book, he writes a book around violence. That's right? a, a must be Harvard professor. Yeah. Yeah. They have a professor. That yeah. Be, yeah. So he writes a book uh, called uh, "The Better Angels of Our Nature," right? Yeah. In which he argues that uh, if you look at the written history, yeah, violence has been reducing, right? And yeah. that's sort of the big argument, right? Yeah. And uh, sort of it's a very most of his work is quite optimistic, right? And mm-hmm. that is sort of the optimistic argument that is laying, right? Yeah. That uh, the more the more we live, the more we learn. Uh, we may worry when there are small agitations here and here, mm-hmm. but on the longer trajectory, yeah, violence is reducing, right? Yeah, tremendously. Yeah, tremendously. Mm-hmm. But then that brings the question, right? So mm-hmm. other people who think the book is nonsense, mm-hmm. like again, one of my favorite writers as well called Nassim. Mm-hmm. Nassim says it's because Stephen Pinker just doesn't understand uh, mm-hmm. statistics well enough to make sense of the data, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, well, his argument okay, is simple like this, right? <laughs> so if you draw a graph, right? If you draw a graph, right? Yeah. The trajectory is simple that yeah. violence is reducing, yeah. yeah? But that graph has spikes, right? Mm-hmm. So what Pinker doesn't account for is the potential, right? Mm-hmm. So at some point, even if uh, at some point when the Americans bombed Japan, even if uh, violence was reducing, even at that point, I know, like when you look at that world where you think violence was increasing, but even at that point, mm-hmm. compared to the wars that happened before, violence was still reducing at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But now we have the weapons that can, you know, end yeah. violence, one violence to end them all. You know, we have mm-hmm. like uh, those nuclear weapons too yeah. that can, you know, they have the potential of extreme violence mm-hmm. increases, even if actual violence is reducing on the graph. So that is, uh, so there's, uh, there's a thing called, okay, so if you're like, say on the Forex market mm-hmm. and you're trying to understand, to predict uh, how the sort of, how certain stocks will perform depending on, you know, all these other factors that you've known in the past that have influenced how the stocks are performed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a sort of way of doing the statistics. Stephen, uh, rather, Nassim writes about things he calls fat tails, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is a distribution can just become, you know, it can be, it, it can have very small, say, say for example, uh, violence, right? Reflections. Yeah, exactly. It can have, you can see that, you know, this distribution is going down, say violence is decreasing, mm-hmm. but then it just needs one spike, like mm-hmm. this of violence, mm-hmm. to sort of invalidate Mm-hmm. all the data before, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think Nassim is, like, he came to fame for predicting the crash, the, 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 the stock exchange crash. Yeah. Uh, and, and so so there's that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and my point was, mm-hmm. when you look at the current politics of Uganda, right, mm-hmm. uh, put it in scope with the current politics within the globe, rather mm-hmm. within the continent and the current politics within the globe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when there was uh, the, the Arab uprising, Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it may trickle down to sub-Saharan Africa. It did not. Mm-hmm. But also, when the Arab uprising was starting, 
not many people thought that it, it would take Gaddafi because Gaddafi was the Arab strongman at the point, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of consequences, Gaddafi had by far, rather in Libya, not even Gaddafi because Gaddafi died, mm-hmm. but Libya had by far the worst consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the uprising, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Uganda today, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen in Mali, mm-hmm. there was a coup. Yeah. Uh, we've seen in, uh, what's the name of this country? Jenny, yeah, Jenny. Mm-hmm. There was a recent coup. Mm-hmm. And people don't want to say Uganda, but our president came by a coup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, but, but you know, if you see, mm-hmm. w- w- from your own predictions, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think mm-hmm. is the likeliness, the estimate of change by violence? And I, I don't care if you believe in it or not. Mm-hmm. What I want you to give me, like, a genuine assessment of the potential mm-hmm. of change of regime. Mm. by violent means in Uganda. Oh, South Sudan. I, do, I forgot to mention South Sudan. Yeah. It is... Okay, so I want you to consider that also as a form of violence. The, the kind of uprising that happened in South Sudan recently. As, no, in North Sudan, the real Sudan recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is... What would be your assessment of, of, of that? Or do you not have an opinion? Well, I, I have colleagues who have considered that question before. And uh, we're trying to study okay. uh, the code it has. And one main feature was actually the fact that the toppled presidents were civilians. Okay. Yeah, a civilian president. And I want to marry that with a statement. So Pierre Mumba, a Kenyan lawyer, who said yeah. that somehow, I think he was commenting about the transition scenarios of Uganda in the aftermath of... Um, the disposition of uh, of Bashir of mm. Sudan. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, you know, Seven somehow immunized himself against you know these weaknesses that have taken other strong men like him. And when you look at the military, its composition, its command structure, kind of indicates what he was saying. It's very, very, very hard to have an uprising in Uganda and uh, that uprising leads to military takeover. Mm-hmm. Usually must be from the inside. But what you see from the inside is that uh, now the sun, Kainerugawa, uh, has actually placed almost on key key units. Uh, his boys, uh, so so to say. Uh, so does that mean that uh, all is bleak for Uganda? No. Does that mean that uh, I predict that there's going to be a smooth transition through an election? No. Yeah, but I also know something about human nature, that uh, when the suffering becomes unsufferable, people become ready for for the inevitable. So we are seated on a time bomb and there is a need for uh, a national dialogue. Because in the case of Uganda, there is, uh, there is some sort of resentment uh, that might, if violence erupted, express itself in the form of a tribal conflict. Yes, that's that's most likely. And whenever there is a sort of uh, uh, 
you know, a protest, it almost immediately comes out. Yeah, it almost immediately comes out. So that will be even very, very, very dangerous. Yeah, but ultimately, of course, it would be very hard or it would be a big lie if anyone told you that I exactly know what is going to happen. We can wake up tomorrow and the guy is dead. I would say he's going to die, but anything can happen. Yeah, so, but from the opposition point of view, Ours is to really, really continue mobilizing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the efforts of uh, our leaders like BSJ have been really, really successful. Yeah. Those uh, with uh, with his with his activism and his uh, political participation, uh, we can say that we have achieved. We have achieved in terms of the governing scale. And now there is a new challenger, a new kid on the block. I think this is the final. <laughs> <laughs> the final. There's the final challenger yeah. before we have victory. That is Bob Wine. And uh, yeah. I can tell you that uh, these five years, the next five years, are going to be the hardest years for the governance of the of Mr. Museveni. Very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the other thing, mm. uh, Charles Obo. I don't know if you know the author, the uh, columnist. Yeah. Charles Obo. Charles Obo wrote. I read. I think yesterday. Uh, on. on uh, I think the Daily Monitor. Mm. Uh, you know, he was trying to analyze Saleh's situation. Yeah? Mm. So Salim Saleh has been the anonymous. Uh, kingmaker, you call him the kingmaker actually, right? Yeah. The guy who the puppet, the guy who pulls the strings of the puppets, right? Yeah. Uh, so the uncharacteristic of mm-hmm. Saleh mm-hmm. is now in the in the forefront. People know he's camped in in, in Gulu, in Gulu, yeah, sort of in the barracks, um, doing what patronage stuff, you know. Basically, uh, he's also leading, obviously, Operation Wealth Creation, but uh, a lot of what he's doing right now is sort of solidifying alliances sort of yeah paying people to be on the side it's it's a bit complicated but uh, obo wrote the, in the article mm. obo is arguing that what Saleh is doing mm. when you put that into context and also look at uh, appointment of uh, very lightweights in government top mm. positions right if you see the vp if you see uh, nabanja you know uh, if you see even the he said, okay, he didn't say the speaker, the vice speaker, but you know, if you look at them, mm-hmm. most of the heavyweights, the actual politicians who could stand their ground mm-hmm. have all been sidelined. Mm-hmm. And you know what uh, Charles was arguing? That maybe mm-hmm. that is what? Uh, a, signal. a transition. Yeah, a transition mm-hmm. signal that, yeah, maybe we are preparing for transition. We just don't want to make the transition when there is like someone who can mm-hmm. irritate us. So we put all these puppets we can control mm-hmm. and so seven can step aside smoothly while sort of uh, nabanja and whatever keep working for him indirectly the russian thing you know where, where they put dimitriev mm-hmm. and putin was everyone in putin was the president but uh, so something like that and mm-hmm. i've also he also he also implied that there is a law that is probably going to be passed around increasing the powers of the prime minister Mm-hmm. And again, this is because they want to set up Nabanja, who's the right puppet, who's also Muganda, so which is mm-hmm. a good play on the on the tribal politics as well, mm-hmm. uh, to 
to sort of help the transition. And I don't know if you have any speculations on that. I know this is all, the article is all pure speculation, but I just wanted to see if you have any thoughts on that. Well, again, what, what I know about Museven is that he's a selfish individual. His goal is to die in power. So that is what he said on his birthday. Yeah, his goal is really to die in power. I don't think that he's even thinking about Muhozi for now. But um, about Salim Saleh, he's camping in Ngul. I think it is mainly economical, not even about alliances. Oh, I see. To have alliances, Saleh doesn't have to camp in Ngul. Why Guru of all the districts mm-hmm. in northern Uganda is in Guru mainly because of the gold. There are old reservoirs, old uh, called gold gold mines yeah, in Guru, yeah. and uh, the SFC has gotten off that area, so people are. <laughs> oh, <I see. laughs> so yeah, yeah. so oh, whenever yeah. whenever Salim Saleh has camped. Just do some research. You'll find that there is a resource. When he was in Kasese, it was about the minerals in Kasese, the phosphate and what have you. Uh, There is a time when he was somewhere in Tungam and there were also some uh, mineral resources there. So his deployment is strategic. It's about the economics. Oh, is Sarah still in the army or is he retired? I, I really, I think uh, Sare is still an army ah, okay. an, an officer. Yes, he's still is. So, uh, it's, a, it's another... Ah, okay. You demystified that for me. Yeah, I, it's, it's I, another... I, I, I thought about, I, I thought deeply about this and when I read uh, Charles's article, I, I, I sank deeper into the rabbit hole. So yeah, let's, uh, let's go. I wanted you to tell us before like we, we go away. Yes. Uh, the legacy thing, what is that one thing you feel like this is the one thing I wish I could do if it was within my powers. And when I do this, yeah, yeah I'm ready to retire and plant cassava in the village. I think, um, I don't know. Uh, for me, my passion is really seeing more people productive. Our productivity levels are very, very low. Our skill levels are really very low. And uh, that's partly why I want to go into academia so that uh, I can build strong education institutions uh, that are able to... Because uh, I imagine we must be having Einstein's, uh, Isaac Newton's, who who never see the light of the day because of lack of opportunity. We have so many young people, fellow youth, who are languishing there in ghettos for lack of opportunity. And that is lost potential this is all wealth that is lost you can imagine how many roads go unconstructed how many high standard hospitals how many you know uh sophisticated infrastructures die because there is this lost potential so my really uh area of focus in terms of study, in terms of uh, intellectual concentration, is going to be on how to improve, number one, our work ethic as a, as a society, but number two, how do you improve productivity of uh, 
of a society. I see. So basically, improving the country's human resources, basically exactly. empowering that one. Exactly. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Uh, I actually I don't know if I can pronounce your first name. Is it Akam? Akam Purira. Akam Purira. Marakira. Why don't you have a Christian name? Those are the easiest people to pronounce. No, I usually, I, I don't know, it's to some point as Harris, at some point the uh, <laughs> government knows me as Justice. Ah, but okay. man, there is no white man I'll called Akampuri. I'll call you Rupa. <laughs> <laughs> I ever had a white man called Matovu. <laughs> so, uh, I said, okay. Yeah, yeah. Enough of colonialism. <laughs> okay. well, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm still uh, arguing with my woman of whether we should give our child what? Should convince her. I doubt. Convince I doubt. her. I doubt. Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank well, you very much. Thank you very much. Thank for, you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Patsy. This has been by far. Uh, I I tell I, I'll be very honest. I tell people when they come to the podcast yeah. that this is the best conversation. Yeah. This time I really mean it. This <laughs> <time>. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other times, all oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, this is the best conversation I've had. Thank you. 